Welcome to the NEPA Scene Podcast. This is episode 15. We're coming to you from the studio, the Stude at 258 Studios in Scranton. I'm Rich Howells. I'm the founder and editor of NEPA Scene. I'm Lauren Corralico. Nothing, nothing to add to that? I didn't actually come up with anything for this week. Yet. I'm sorry. Okay. Wait, wait, that's that's to, are, fine. Are you I'm supposed more, to do something unique every time? I do usually. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> you, wanna, you want me to do me and then I'll do... That didn't sound right, but I'll say what I say and then you say what you say. You want to okay. do that? Okay. I'm Mark Denebaum. I own 258 and I'm also standing in for Jimmy Reynolds because I have Jimmy working on a movie and um, he can't be here tonight. So I'm forever grateful and thankful for him for doing that. And Lauren is... In a lot of pain. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, we don't care. Uh, I got a bad back today. That sucks. Lauren Sorry. threw a back out, throwing snow. Now, in case we're, anyone wanted to no, know nobody, that. In case they, they needed that specific Sorry. detail. Yeah. If I sound uh, grumpy, that's why. So we're here with uh, the founder of the Scranton Fringe Festival, an actor and playwright, and uh, the uh, founder of the Electric Residence, co-founder of the Electric Residence, uh, Connor. Hi. 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 <laughs> Connor O'Brien of Con- the famous Scranton O'Briens. Not that famous? Well, it depends on what division of the family. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. No, no. No, you're a good Irish. You're a good Irish. You're a good Irish boy. A good Irish boy. Oh, my yeah. God. Jesus, Mary. Oh, do you know you feel, do you think this one? No. Okay, yeah. we're going to get back on yeah. tangent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, wow, we're all ready. I'm genuinely happy to be here. We're happy to have you. Wonderful. It's been a lo- It's 15 weeks I've wanted this. <laughs> <laughs> You've been dreaming of Connor O'Brien the whole time. He's just been gest- yeah, I can't, like, gestating I, I love, the thought of me. I, I, you know, I love, I love Connor O'Brien to a fault, so... Send me to hell, send me to heaven. Uh, no, I'm just going to say that's a, that's a major character flaw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that probably explains a lot of my... That says a lot about you. Yeah. <laughs> I love Conor O'Brien to a fault. Mm. 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 Okay. Mm. All right, do you want to do the recap? Re- just real quick, uh, we just have on the site going on, we have we have a, a bunch of, uh, of uh, show announcements uh, coming out uh, and stuff that, that uh, some came out today. The Kirby Center actually had a bunch of uh, show announcements today for their uh, Live from the Chandelier Lobby series. So uh, check out who those artists are. And Florida, Georgia line? No, sorry, okay. not this time. Bummer. I did see a video from them last night, so it's the first time I've ever actually seen them. Yeah. Ew. You know, yeah. I forget about them every week. And, and, I, and I remind you. bring you. them up again. Yes, I do. Just again and again. Yep. <laughs> that, that's, a, that's a great state line. <laughs> One you definitely want to name your band after. Yeah. When I, when I was going to school in Florida, they always said, um, I, I went to school in Orlando, and they said, the further north you go, the further south you get. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Florida Georgia line is probably apropos. That's good. Or maybe these guys really didn't think through the naming of their. What else band. is there, Rich? Well, we we also uh, I don't I don't know if you've noticed in the past couple of weeks too, but uh, get cryptic, who uh, are a great uh, arts collective in uh, in Wilkes-Barre. Um, they uh, haven't they've been announcing shows at the other side in Wilkes-Barre, mm-hmm. and uh, we actually get to announce those first. So that's pretty cool. That's cool. Uh, that they let us do that. So we actually, we have a, uh, unrelated, but but related, we have uh, photos and a write-up from a uh, recent show at the other side uh, by 
by Matt Hannon of uh, Five Seven No Photography, mm-hmm. who I, I think uh, Connor, you're you're aware of them. I am uh, aware of them. They, he he had a uh, a show back at the Vintage, I think, a few yeah, years ago. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Teresa O'Connor was the visual arts director, so she was the curator and handled that. But I do remember it. It was very large. Yeah, p- <laughs> photography. Yes, he, he has some good kind stuff. Of like I stood outside. I For, no, I remember the work. No, I just, I just, I just, you know, I don't directly. Nobody deal with forgets that. large photography. It was large. I want to say that it was printed on a very specific. Was it like really like thin? Was it canvas? Maybe no. There was something unique about the presentation of it, mm. um, and I feel so ignorant for not knowing. But it was something. I did definitely. Was it like tin? It was like metal. Or well, it was like the the last ones that he uh, sent to us um, that we we posted a, a few weeks back uh, were were really psychedelic and and very colored really cool so mm-hmm. uh, so I'm interested to see uh, what what these photos look like uh, cool. they'll, they'll be I'll probably post those uh, tomorrow um, we also have uh, I just did my uh, infinite improbability this week on, which I read uh, today I the Mars one mission do you agree or disagree lauren i was so ready well, wait do you want to do you want to just do a recap of basically what okay. it is like the sure the, the 10 second yeah uh the 10 second explanation would be that uh mars one is a dutch non-profit organization who has decided that they're going to shoot 40 people to mars and that they're somehow going to survive even though the science is really really bad and many experts and scientists have come out and said that it's they might even if they make it would probably last about 68 days before suffocating and dying. And mind you, they're going to fund this through crowdfunding and the television rights. So we're going to watch 40 people suffocate and die on Mars. I just love the Hunger Games-esque... Me too. To it. I, I, that's, and that's what struck me about it as a sci-fi guy. Mm-hmm. Like I had to write about it because it was like this is the plot out of a of, of a sci-fi movie. But like the opposite, like they want to go. Right. Are, now, that's the and that's really what the focus of the article yeah, it's is. Like, it's is like that Katniss just, going like, "Why are we having a drawing? I'm going." Like, I, right. It's yeah. not volunteering as tribute to save you know Primrose or whatever her name was. Like, no. <laughs> I want to fight. You almost have to have the drawing to p- get people to not participate. Right. Well, I, I think it's so fascinating. And I, Rich, I'm not going to lie. I didn't read the article. But with those individuals, I mean, they are like cutthroat. Like, no, I want to leave. Let's say it even succeeded. They can never come back. Right. Like, that's the whole Correct. point. Like, they, can no. Ne- no. they can't come back. Nope. Right. 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 There's that, no return mission. Right. That's what I'm saying. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, like, you are literally like, I would love to do an expose on those people's lives of like, what happened? They no, want to leave Earth so badly. Those people, the people that were chosen, was it 200 right now? Out of like that's the 10,000? Uh, down to 100 now. So it's out, down out to 100 two, now. 200,000 people sent in applications. What and the, now it's down to 100. What are, the, what are the qualifications? Some of them are like astrophysicists and some of them are... One of them you know, got and, a postgraduate doctoral whatever in yeah they're not astrophysics. Like, from so MIT. we want to lose these people. Well, okay. they want to leave. <laughs> it's not that we're losing them. They want to leave. I was before I read Infinite Improbabilities. I was of the mind that this is a spectacular event, one of the first things in our lifetime that is actually going to pave the way towards space exploration, and no matter the cost, however ridiculous it sounded, this is extraordinary. The thing that's happening. Then I read your article and I said, wow, this is kind of a messed up situation. <laughs> yeah. However, coming, bringing it back to every other colonization in humankind, the first people to ever go to a new land always went, presuming they were never going to come back. They didn't mm-hmm. know what they were going to find. They didn't know if they were going to go somewhere that they could survive. They didn't know what they were bringing was going to be enough. It's happened right. throughout right. history. The first, the Vikings then went over to 
let's say America, they didn't know what they were going to find. They just set sail and kept going. Right. Right. With no hope of possibly getting back. They had air. Yeah, well, that's the thing is the the only big difference here I feel from those because I, I I do Valid feel point. it, it is a, is a good example. And many many died, and many knew right. they were going Valid. to and die. And they knew they were the going journey. to die. Yes. Yeah, but there was but, berries. They at least had but berries. in the old days they didn't have the kind of technology that we have today to like put a robot out there first and see what happens to the robot before we send living people to go suffocate and die in horrible deaths that we know right. pretty much for a fact are going to happen. Which they know, the candidates know too. Well, that's yeah. the that's the thing. And so so I first question, well, how stable are these people that they're they're, they're saying, oh yeah, let my head explode. That's totally cool. I th- well, it's not going to be total recall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But you know, well, I I really hope it is. But the other oh, thing is just just I feel like um, is even the the robots that they're going to send first to build the encampment. Mm-hmm. Now robots are going to build the encampment. That right. in itself is extraordinary and things that I didn't know existed until I realized they don't actually exist yet. That technology is still being worked out <laughs> and they hope is going to be ready by the time they re- they're ready to launch living in people like the there. the next eight years. Isn't it like they're trying to do all this? They're trying to do this years. by it's, 2026. It's really important to set benchmarks for yourself but you're not nasa's not going for till 2030 poor but poor nasa doesn't have the funding to do this you know what my concern is here's my biggest concern on the whole thing is that when we get there we don't treat the martians like native americans you know that's going to happen. Depends. You know what I mean? We could be we could be it's dying. Any Izzard thing? Like, do you have a flag? Yeah. Well, we could be dying with our last breath, and we would have our hands around the Martians' necks, going, yeah. "Give me this piece of red rock." You know, like <laughs> it, it, that's just it's Rich, humanity. I, I didn't read the article, but just to sum it up, is there? Did they? Did Did you find? Or is there any percentage of like success? Like, what are the odds? Literally. Zero. There's they're, no they're chance. Going, they're going they're, to die. They, all, all the scientists that, that I found that commented that I quoted in the article mm-hmm. um, are, Rich, are basically Rich did his like, research. like we we love this idea. We think it's really good. It's just that it's not quite there yet. So like, okay. it's remotely probable, but probably. But not. if the launch isn't happening until 2026, then. They're hoping that things will be worked out by them. But they also, most of them also estimate that at this point in the game, you probably should have a good portion of your money together. And they have raised about 700,000 bucks out of six billion. billion. That is the most expensive suicide I've ever heard of. And not to mention that the six billion, most scientists don't even think that's enough. It's it's probably going to cost way more than that. My... By the time there's using your (laughs) by the yeah exactly using using Lauren's concept of of like you know most explorers you know do go out without you know expecting a way back you know it it was 1960 or 61 that Kennedy said by the end of this decade by the end of this decade we will go we will put a man on the moon right like you know these guys actually have a longer time frame. And right now than Kennedy gave the space program to do it specifically talking to your point Russia sent out numerous cosmonauts for the exploration of outer of, of inner space without any hope of bringing them back yeah that's russia though yeah ru- well i mean russia's <laughs> just like oh poor sergey he's just a number right <laughs> and the, the only people who knew were two guys in new jersey because they picked it up on their ham radio or yeah. something, right? Yep. Yeah. They and they never came back, did they? No, they never came back. Yeah, and that's just that just came out. Did I read an article about that last week? Kind, mm. kind of like a couple of years ago, but yeah, but it's it it, it somehow it got brought back into the public I'm, consciousness. I'm sure people because, are probably talking about it now because of this, yeah. right? As none of us are astrophysicists or have, <laughs> or have any concept of 
No. I, I shouldn't say that. I'm awful at math, so I, I would not be the person to... <laughs> right. What's your question, Connor? Two what, plus two equals dance What number. else did you have to say, Rich? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you know, that, that's, I do want to read that article, though. That sounds interesting. I just yeah, wanna, no, it was fine. It's really I just want to point out that considering every other motivation for colonization of other lands has been, in, throughout human history, has been stemmed in some sort of thing going on in those coloni- colonists' homeland, right. right? And there are a lot of motivations now to actually go out and explore other terrains where we could possibly survive. Mm-hmm. So... It's not. I'm not saying that we have the technology to do this now, and I and I do agree that it's a little bit premature to be saying, "Hey, let's send out people so they could colonize for 68 days and then croak, so we but can send another what, team of people to why not have take up where they let." But why not start the process? It's actually getting us a little bit closer to that point where we might be able to get to Europa, even if they're right. not the ones to accomplish it. At least it's getting right. the dialogue rolling. We have to. Well, we have that, to pave that road. Not only that, like the people, the people, like the fact that we're having a conversation about it right now means that. I'm hoping that there's other people around the world having the same conversation going like, hey, guys, like I looked at your schematics, you know, right. I, I didn't know about this, but this is like maybe you can fix this to to just to show how much foresight can happen. This is something really interesting. Um, I'm a huge Jules Verne fan. The novel. Oh, I thought you were going to say I'm a huge Jewel fan. Well, why can't you be both? I don't know. Um, no, I'm a one huge explores Jules- the world. One explores your heart. <laughs> Jules Verne explores my heart. Um <laughs> No, um, Jules Verne wrote a book called From the Earth to the Moon and Back, which I'm actually in process of adapting into a play, um, very loosely inspired. Um, I love Jules Verne. He proposed it was like in a giant cannonball, these like three people that shot off and like roped around the moon's gravitational pull and came back. He proposed within the book his own mathematical equations and uh, suggestions on how to make it happen. And obviously he was incorrect. Very not even very close, but just closer than a man of his time period and should ever have gotten. I mean, he was really getting onto something. His math was off, but like considering how precise you need that math to be. That's because he's a time traveler. Because he's a time lord. And he was just a little, and he did, he wanted us to know that he was good, but he wanted us to know how good. Um, but no, but I think that's really interesting just to show you that, you know, the, you know, a fictional, you know, fantasy novel that was, but the other reason I speak of that is because in the book, the the country it's kind of like a steampunky post civil war um, society which is controlled by the gun companies and I just thought that's really interesting. <laughs> All right, so the society is controlled by the gun companies, and their idea was let's put three people in a big gun, big, big cannonball, and literally <laughs> to the moon, from the earth to the moon and back. It's it's just so charming and it's so you know Jules Verne ish because he wrote it. So it's, so it better be Jules Verne. So yeah, it's not you know, it's not Hemingway. <laughs> it's it sounds super interesting though. It's, I, I would totally watch that. It's really thank you. It's really interesting. It's really interesting. There's like a French poet they send up with them who I think would be so French he could not even stand it. Come sit, <laughs> come, come sit next, come sit next yeah. to how you say me. Yeah, Jean Pierre. <laughs> That's exactly how you say me. <laughs> it's loosely inspired. And it's in the public domain, so anyone can deal with it. Oh, that's amazing! All right, so after Mars oh, it, one, I'll, I'll just I'll mention one other thing, and uh, and then we'll we'll move on. But uh, uh, this was just announced today, and I thought this was interesting. Uh, we we've brought up a peculiar culinary company before. I love and, Gene and mm-hmm. the food that they do. It's amazing. Uh, you know, he's been getting some national attention because of the TV shows he's been on. Thoroughly deserved. Very deserved. Uh, and he is going to be doing a Pulp Fiction themed dinner. 
I need to go to that. Where where you wear you watch what? Pulp Fiction and then you're eating the food that is inspired by the the film. Where when how much? <laughs> this will be at uh, Movies 14 in Wilkes-Barre. It is uh, March 2nd. Oh, no. It is a Monday. It's a Monday night. I'm yeah. teaching. Uh, the dinner starts at 7, movie at 7.30. Um, but yeah, it should be should be very interesting. So and no I, one else go, because oh, I can't. Wait, right. wait a minute. What time on... It's a Monday and what time? Uh, 7 and 7.30. Can, can, can we talk about this later, Mark? Yes. Okay. okay. Yeah. Totally. But that sounds... If you Whether or not we can go, who cares? Everyone else should go to that because that sounds awesome right not only is he a damn good cook he's a damn good guy yes that's and very true and, and that's he's a big fan of metal which oh, yeah, okay. yeah actually uh, I, I saw him uh, at the uh, crowbot show a while ago a few months back and I was like is that Gene I didn't know he was a he was a metal guy huge metal fan yeah it's awesome so, oh, and uh, I guess I should plug that we have our show, our showcase coming up on uh, Friday on the 27th. At the Woodlands. At the Woodlands uh, for our YouTube uh, viewers. Here's the uh, really nice poster that we had printed up. And uh, we're going to have uh, poets, comedians, musicians, uh, all kinds of uh, performance artists at this uh, really cool event. It's the first Very time cool. that we're trying something like this. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if it is successful or not. If people want these types of events in the area, we'll definitely do more. So we're hoping to, uh, to convince people to come out and check out uh, what is you know largely new talent to most of the area. I don't think a lot of like a lot of these guys are have done some really great shows, but I don't know if they've had the mainstream exposure. So I'd like to see uh, some of these these uh, people get out there and and uh, for people to support them. So I, I think it's going to be a, a cool show. It's only ten bucks if you get the tickets in advance, which they're available on NEPAScene.com right now. Um, you can go to nepacene.eventbrite.com and just buy the tickets directly if you use uh, the promo code uh, Rich because all of our uh, all you of our egomaniac. No, actually, that was chosen by John. I'm just kidding. Who's our our co-organizer? He uh, he he said anybody who uh, it will everybody who has their names can uh, use the their name as the promo code and then then we'll know who sold tickets and who was a lazy asshole now I'm kidding but uh, so 10 bucks uh, 15 at the door which includes your first drink by the way so there's a food and cash bar as well um, it'll be a couple hour show and uh, we'll have at least 10 performers so uh, sounds like great. a fun time it is well worth the time and money absolutely here here so uh, so Connor how are you I'm doing okay rich how are you Great, great. Are you uh, now the the Scranton Fringe Fest is yes. you know still quite a few months away. So are are you away. already like sweating bullets about putting this thing together? Or are you it, you still like I consciously think I'm fine. It's funny you say that. Last night I had a panic dream that it was three days before. Oh, and that, like, nothing was ready. <laughs> so I think that's just my mind's. Um, no, there's a lot to do to prepare for the Fringe Festival, but that, it's not until the first weekend of October, October 1st through the 4th, 2015 mm. in downtown Scranton. Um, no, not really. I mean, I, I mean, I probably should be, but um, I think that was a dream that was just manifested itself about the festival, but I'm 
stressing about other stuff totally unrelated. Well, the, the reason that we're having you on now is because uh, Artist Applications just opened up uh, mm-hmm. for the Fringe Festival. They did. So uh, any any uh, potential artists that are interested in being at this festival uh, yes. should definitely uh, check out the uh, Scranton Fringe Fest website, which mm-hmm. is... Uh, ScrantonFringe.org. Yes. And uh, so go, go there and apply. Correct. Because the, uh, I, I think uh, next month is with the cutoff. April 10th. Oh, okay. April you have, 10th. You have time. Okay. It's Feb- it opened February 9th. They close April 10th. Um, and just to give a really simple, and we can talk more if there's questions. I was going to ask. Okay. Um, what is a Fringe Festival? Yes. yes. Um, right, that's right. okay. That's okay. Um, to put it simply, it's a performing arts festival. That's the easiest way to put it. The reason it's called Fringe, in Edinburgh, Scotland, in 1947, there was this big international, which still goes on simultaneously with the Fringe, uh, anyway, theater festival that seven or eight companies couldn't get into, whether they were considered too avant-garde, too experimental, and quite frankly, just not known. Um, so they decided, they were like, well, screw that. We're going to start our own festival. And then they did it once, was somewhat popular, did it again the second year. And then a journalist, I believe his name was Robert Kemp, um, in Scott, in the Edinburgh Times or the Edinburgh Gazette, uh, forgive me, I should know my history of the fringe a little bit tighter. Um, and Scotland. And Scotland. <laughs> um, the journalist coined, there's a lot of theater happening on the fringe. So its name kind of at the time had a bit of a double meaning of the literal location it was happening, but more so it was the on the outskirts of the mainstream, to steal a phrase that you, re- you just used, Rich. Um, so that's why anything's welcomed on the fringe. The first fringe festival in North America was held in Orlando in 1992. Um, they've, and then I think the, and then it was Canada and it's models vary from city to city structure varies, uh, you know, length of them, you know, what the makeup is varies. selection process, which is a big, you know, variation. The end of the day, they're typically, um, performing arts based, easy to participate in both as a patron and an artist. So low risk financially in that regard, they're generally low tech and rapid fire. That doesn't mean I've been seeing fringe shows that have, you know, projections and special effects. It generally just means that you have to be prepared to move quickly. And they're usually the length of them sits around an hour. Ours, for example, each performance. Correct. Because there's, and then you do your performance several times throughout the festival. Right. Um, Some festivals are juried, which is which is what the Scranton Fringe is. Um, we we are promoting it though as a limited jury, an inclusive, limited juried process, which simply just means we're going to try to accept as many as we can, if not all, in a perfect world. Uh, but for example, we've had someone submit um, and apply with interest, uh, who's part of a trapeze and aerial dance group. So that really, where we'd love to, it's just dependent upon if a venue can accommodate that. So we, I mean, and it has to be because for their safety. Um, uh, and yeah, so we're not charging any application or production fees. Oh, and talking about models, some festivals like ours are juried. I said the Scranton Fringe is a limited jury process. Some are find your own venue model, um, which like Edinburgh. So pretty much like that's like you within this footprint of whatever parameters, you know, locations you set in this time period, you have to find secure your own venue. And the Edinburgh Fringe, I mean, produces like a 30, 50 page guide every year of like how to do it and what venues they recommend. I mean, it's, it is, it is officially in Edinburgh, the world's largest performing arts festival. Um, the Guinness Book of World Records confirmed that which a they get of years ago. all over the world though, right? Oh, I mean, going to the Edinburgh Fringe has become a big deal. I mean, like, you know, you can show up and perform in a phone booth if you want, and then you get put in the booklet and the map and stuff. Um, and you have to pay to do that. Um, but I mean, no, there are people who are like, you know, selling out New York clubs and stuff, you know, like performer artists, cabaret artists, stuff like that. Stand up comedians, you know, theater plays, you know, things that are a little more off the mainstream. But there's also things like, 
Um, does anyone know that I believe her name is Christine Bianco? She's a very she's really popular on YouTube now. She's been on Ellen a couple of times. She's the singer who sings any given song and she she changes who she sounds like throughout it. When let it I know I, I saw a cover she did of this Frozen song, Let It Go, where she sounded like Adina Menzel, then she sounded like Celine Dion, and then she sounded like Kelly Clarkson and Alanis Morissette. It was so funny. She's just so talented. This isn't about her. Um, Are you sure? I will talk about her all you want. <laughs> we can tag her in this now, at least. Um, well, how did... um? Oh, shit in hell. I forgot my question. Okay. Keep going. Um, so that kind we of... We don't is, even need to ask you questions. Just go. No, I'm fine. Yeah. Um, I just want to get... I know I'm, 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 wanna, I'm ranting a bit because I want to get as much info out there as possible, and then, then we can have an open dialogue. Um... <laughs> So it's October 1st through the 4th, so the downtown Conor O'Brien podcast premiered today. Multiple venues <laughs> and the world quivered. Um, so yeah, multiple venues, anything within the performing arts, music, theater, storytelling, 40 to 70 minutes in length is the range that we're going to be presenting. All tickets are priced at 7 to $10, um, 7 if you have a fringe button, 10 if you don't. Uh, there's also going to be like hopper passes that you can buy or like multiple ticket show deals to save extra money. Um, and it's going to be a really, really great time. Several venues in downtown Scranton over those four day time period. Um, and do you, have, do you have confirmed venues yet? Or do you not want to release that yet? No, no, we can talk about it. Um, I'm going to say these are confirmed in the strictest sense of the word without actually legally being confirmed. <laughs> um, no, we have, we have letters of commitment and intent from the Atha Gallery on Lackawanna Avenue, uh, the Leonard on Adams, uh, Ale Mary's on Franklin and the Lackawanna County Children's Library on Vine. So those are the four I can say with pretty good certainty. So anybody else who wants to be a venue can just go check out. They can contact us. We have a lot of penciled in options out there. That's why I say that tentatively. There's been so many wonderful venues. We wish we could work with all of them. We quite frankly aren't just going to need that much more. Do you think we could fit a trapeze in the other room? I'm not insured for that. What are you crazy? <laughs> 25 eights also on the short list, obviously, but that all, that's all dependent upon your availability. And you know, if we, my fear of trapeze artists. Yeah, that too. Have yeah. you ever done trapeze? No, no, I don't like somebody once said that this I'm afraid summer. of anything higher than a bar stool. <laughs> so I'm going to take you this summer. It's a lot of fun. Not going. What was the impetus for this? Why do the Scranton Fringe Festival? Yeah. Um, I oh um my main inspiration came from the fact I participated in a few of my own work. Um I was in the the, the first ever Pittsburgh Fringe back in May of 2014. Oh, is that where you did the Darling Core? That's where the Darling Core first yeah, premiered yeah. and developed. Um and then which was a blast. And then uh, a, a show I that I co-wrote with Simone Daniel, a show I wrote myself called Prophecy of the Teen Sleuth that Simone directed. Uh, we went out and did in Kansas City, Missouri. So it was really interesting to see first of all you know, the Northeast and the Midwest, but Pittsburgh, that was their first fringe festival in Kansas city. That was their 10th. Mm. So it was, I mean, much more developed. Pittsburgh was great. Pittsburgh is an awesome city. They have a great arts theater, performing arts scene that they were so accommodating to us. It was so sweet. And if it wasn't for them, Simone and I would not be taking the darling core in the directions we are now, which I'm very excited about on a personal level. Um, we can talk about that later if we want. We'll totally talk about it later. Cause I want to, um, <laughs> but yeah, so that's kind of just a very, general overview of uh, what the Fringe Festival is and what we hope it to be. And we've already been getting submissions. The submissions opened April 9th, uh, excuse me, February 9th, February 9th. They close April 10th. And um, to date, we have gotten 28 submissions. Well, that's great. I mean, mm -hmm. that's and that's pretty soon. So, I mean, that to consider, uh, you know, just a few weeks have gone by. I know. And the interesting part about it is 40% are from out of the region 
Oh, wow. In, in fact, we rain, we have submissions from, and we, we can't obviously talk about, I can tell you the general what they are. Yeah. If we haven't accepted them, I don't want to, I don't want them to, you know. But submissions from as far as? Pittsburgh, uh, Rochester, New York. The farthest within the country is Dallas. Our, we only have one international submission so far, and it is the farthest overall. A uh, little bit of Montpochou, uh, Paris, France. Paris, France. Wow. Are those the trapeze artists? They're not. <laughs> they're not. They're the, they're the puppet people. They they they, they come out of the, so they, they, they just, they, they just like to come and look at you and tell you how much they cannot even stand you. Um, <laughs> I fought in your general dead back. <laughs> uh, I owe you nothing. I did nothing for you. Um, <laughs> No, I am highly respectful of the French culture, as you can tell. Um, no, but Jimmy loves them because of the croissant. Croissant? Yeah, Jimmy will get. I don't think Jimmy's ever had a real croissant, but he 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 he, in, he insists that Dunkin' Donuts has the best one. That's Dunk, that is know, such a lie. I'm just saying. I'm the, just saying. The best croissant I ever had was in Ocean City, Maryland, hmm. at this little place. That she found in a garbage cafe. bin. <laughs> um, that's interesting. I think mine was probably like New York or. Chicago or Boston or something. If you can't remember your best croissant, it was not the best croissant. I'm not saying it's the best in the world. I'm just saying for my that life. That you've had. That I've had. Yeah. Because um, if anybody says it's the best in the world, then it's that speculation and conjecture. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so that's just to show you where we stand right now. So anyone, um, one of the, I mean, it's always an educational process. That was the number one thing I found with talking with Pittsburgh, Kansas City, the two in New York. Every fringe festival, I belong to a, a network group where I can stay in daily contact with managers and directors of other fringe festivals in the country, the world, actually. Um, I've developed a very good contact in Stockholm, believe it or not. <laughs> Hope um, you don't catch a syndrome. Uh, I'd love to. I'd love to. Um, no, Stockholm, I'd I honest to God was considering going, but it's like two weeks after ours and there's no humanly possible way I'll have the time. Um, or money by that matter. Uh, maybe, maybe I, by then I can save up a little bit. Um, but the number one thing I asked them, like, what's the biggest thing that you would recommend to me? Like, what didn't you know going into this? And it varies from city to city. The common thread, you will never stop. It's kind of a blessing and a curse. Like, don't stress about it, but be aware you will never stop educating your public on what you are. It'll never become common knowledge. It'll never become... I mean, they said unless you're in, you know, like Edinburgh. And even then, there's probably someone who doesn't. There's probably like that one dude yeah. down at the bus station. Um, Stieg. Ugh, Stieg. <laughs> Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Bob going. Steve doesn't care about what you have to say. What's this fringe? What's the the rubber paper poop man over in the fringe festival? What is he doing over there? That doesn't even make sense. I'm going back to my Guinness. We actually we just had Connor on the show just so that we could do fake accents the entire time. And I could just only reason disgustingly offend. I showed I showed Jim Seth MacFarlane did this cartoon cavalcade. The Scottish. Yeah, where he's like, What are you doing? Well. Uh, I showed Jimmy it for the first time, and when Jimmy heard poop it, <laughs> he went, he's just a poop it. And Jimmy was like, oh my God, that's amazing. I think those are just pretty much understood to be like Seth's, like the ones that didn't make it into the show. Yeah. He's put, which are some of the most funny, though, that are brilliant. Oh, they're hysterical. They're great. They're um, great. But yeah, so that was the number one thing they said clear. You're always going to be educating your public on what fringe festivals are. Um, I mean, so you're going to spend the next like six months constantly explaining. Constantly. So you yeah. you have this spiel down at this point. I constantly have to work on it, though. It's not an elevator pitch yet. I mean, the elevator pitch would be like, you know, it's a performing arts festival that's inclusive to all mediums and styles. Anyone's welcome. And it's kept affordable for artists and patron alike. Like, that's the closest thing to an elevator pitch. I can and then people mean. are like, what does that mean? And what did you just say? <laughs> 
Got a pretty little mouth. What's performance? I don't know why. We just went deliverance there. Um, because why not? Because why Wee! not? Wee! <laughs> Every time I hear those Geico commercials or whatever. With the- <gasps> don't eat. Oh, I no. just ruined it for you, didn't I? I love that. Just ruined oh, it for you. I love that pig. I love this. Yeah. Billy, what? Yeah. You're here. Oh, okay, now, now, now get this. Ready? Yeah. Ned Beatty. Now you're screwed. Because when you, when you look at that, you think Ned Beatty. Why did, why did you do this, Mark? That was an awful thing to do. Because huh? I'm just, I don't know. Mr. Oh, Rogers God. would be very disappointed I in you. I feel, I feel like, I feel like uh, Ed Norton and Fight Club. I wanted, oh. I wanted to destroy something beautiful. I need his back, thoughts back. What I was trying to clarify about with the submission process and where we're getting them from and everything, and that one of the areas that I am educating the public, specifically the arts community, there's been some confusion, not much, but a little confusion over like, oh, so I submit my show and then you guys produce it. No. No, 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 no. The Fringe provides, this is, you know, just what, you know, what the artist responsibility. The opportunity. The Fringe provides the platform. We'll provide the box office staff. We will assist with marketing for the overall festival. We will uh, provide one tech operator per venue. We're even going to help provide private housing. Um, It's our goal, at least, for any out-of-town artists. And we'll help as best we can. You bring your product, your finished product show. We're not a script hatchery. We're not a development. We're not a production company. And And that's an understandable confusion if you're not familiar but even most theater performing arts festivals, like, you know, you don't, a band doesn't submit to a music festival and then shows up and says, you know, oh, we need a bassist. It's, you know, that's, that's your, I'm just saying, I understand that Sometimes seems Sometimes they do. I understand that seems ridiculous, <laughs> but it's the closest connotation I can give. So that's something. And it doesn't mean that you have to have like, this could be something you're trying for the first time. That's fine. It just, you have to produce your show and you have to help market your own individual show. We are looking at a festival that might have anywhere between 30 to 50 you know, proximate individual shows. So we have to promote that whole thing on top of making sure it runs smoothly and the logistics and the finances and stuff. There's no production fee. There's no application fees. And the, the gross box office split with each show is done 50-50. So there is no reason <laughs> to yeah, not I mean, promote well, I mean, show. I mean, I mean, the only, financially, the, the, they'd, it would benefit, benefit them. Benefit them, right. Yeah. Right. You know, that's and that was kind of like the conversation we had with like, you know, when T and Vinny were on, it's like, you know, the more people you guys get to the door, the more money you make. Like, I don't understand right. why that's such a and we'll provide a the difficult pl- concept. And we'll provide the platforms. I mean, I, I as an artist, I understand what it's like when, you know, the house, shall we say, doesn't help promote and doesn't market. But we're marketing the overall festival. And we will, in turn, develop programs and, and platforms such as working with NEPA scene to give them the opportunity. Like, we're going to give them all a little press kit or, you know, at least like a press kit for local press we're going to give them some suggestions we're going to conduct workshops on how to obviously that'll be difficult if you're not from the area and can't attend but we'll try to make sure that we have pdfs and digital video form of whatever that we do um so it's a real you know to you know for all those educational outreach components we can only do so much you know you have to have to have to have to have to no i've been to i've been to film festivals where where you know let's say you know Steven did a you know a twenty minute short film. Mm-hmm. Oh, Steven, Steve, Steve, oh, Steve. unbelievable! Um, Steve I've been I've been to film awful. festivals where Bill Danger Robinson <laughs> was showing his sci fi short, and oh, we'll get to him. Um, but they all had like every every film had their own like somebody's out there passing out postcards like pass out postcards here's the times go that to the lines movie's playing when where there's playing at. when another movie is lying is you know yeah. queue is lining up go pass out postcards yep. we're giving you at the very least the one thing that every artist should, who's in the who gets accepted to the fringe take advantage of is October first the Thursday nights because it's Thursday Friday Saturday Sunday the only fringe event happening other than maybe some like late night after party stuff you know well, Scranton it has to happen with all the fun kids yeah. Um, 
is the preview party, which is likely going to be at the Leonard. It's going to be in one location. It's, you know, some free food, cash bar, come in costume, come in character, pass out your postcards, have people there. And then in addition to it being a big party, which you can mix and mingle with the crowd, it's totally free to attend. Then there will also be every show will be given like two to five minutes, depending on what we can give them as a soapbox on stage. Like you have two to three minutes, go. I don't care if you you could stand at the mic and just talk about your show. Right. Or you could do a sample of it or whatever. I mean, and that's fine. That is probably going to be like 30 to percent of where your marketing should happen. Is that that preview show? Just because, I mean, people with hopper passes who yeah. can go to anything, you know, our VIPs, members of the media, you know what I mean? Like, you know, anyone, the public, you know, I'm going to show up and go, yeah, I'm going to one or two shows. Maybe I'll check some, something else. When we were in Kansas City, that's, I mean, like we just got there like the day before, I think, or maybe even the day we might have even gotten, we might have even pulled into town. And now I think about it like that afternoon and the preview night was that night. Um, and we were thankful they placed us all our shows for like five, four or five days was like in the first part of the festival because it was like 11 days long. Oh, so we didn't. So thankfully we could go do it and come back. We didn't get to stay for the whole duration of the festival, but for like the first half. Um, and we had I, I ne- I've never really sat down and done the math and I'd have to go, you know, figure it out. But like never we had less. And we were in a great theater, like a 200 seat theater, you know, modern. It was in this gorgeous um, it's called Union Station in Kansas. If you ever go to Kansas City, Missouri, Union Station, it's gorgeous. It's a big, big, big old train station that's now has like restaurants. I mean, it's so scratched to a page from what this thing did. Um, museum, uh, you know, little kiosks and stuff. We probably had like close to 150, 200 people see our show throughout oh, really? the festival. That's awesome. I, mm, maybe that's, I don't know. Cause I'm trying, we never had less. I remember looking out in a crowd. We never had less than like 30 people in our, sh- in our crowd. So I can't imagine. And I mean, mind you, we're from Scranton PA. We weren't the farthest. There was obviously international and, but we were, you know, pretty far. Yeah, but for not being hometown and, you know. And having literally the only market. And there's things we could have done a little bit more in advance, but the only marketing we really had was getting there that day and having like little flyers and stuff and passing them out. Now, with the application process, has there been any confusion as to what kind of performance art? Because if it's if it's open to everybody, I mean, you know, our bands just going to go. Well, can I just have a you know show with bands? Yeah, no, that has, that has happened, okay. but that's not necessarily. I see. It's we're, we always struggled with how do we word this? We don't want to. We kind of came to the conclusion we're not going to turn anyone away. We're going to make this as general as possible. Worst case scenario, we get 200 submissions and a couple we have to contact and say, this isn't really what we're looking for, or this isn't really, but for our late night on the fringe components. So like, you know, the 12 AM to 2 AM at the bars and stuff like that, the keys and the bog or even Ale Mary's, if it doubles, we are going to have bands. So it's not like we don't need those people. So, you know, even if you, and then we've had like a, a visual artist or two submit and the visual arts will be represented in different ways. That's not really what we're looking for right now. We're going to focus on that later. Um, but, I would rather, I, I don't want to, it's always better to start the dialogue than, than, than postpone it. The worst thing is, oh my God, thank you so much for submitting. This isn't quite what we're looking for right now, but we will contact you when we are. And honestly, by the time that we're at these applications end, when we really get around to, you know, selecting them and, and putting them in there, you know, figuring everything out, that'll probably be when we're working on the other stuff anyway. Because the whole schedule, everything's going to get announced at the same time. Um, we're printing the Fringe Guide, which is like a multi-page, color, really nice program. That, that'll that start getting printed in like mid-late July. And that'll start getting distributed everywhere. So, I mean, we need the full lineup by then to promote and announce. We should be announcing the main stage lineup by like May, I would say. Sounds like a lot of work. Now, who do you have working with you on this? Oh, my goodness. So many people. Uh, um... <laughs> 
I feel so terrible. Steeg from Steeg. Scotland. Steeg. Steeg. And Steeg is Steve. And Steve. Look at all the color for people. Um, we have so there's so many people. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna say it right now. I will forget someone. Here's your Oscar sure. speech. I will forget. Yeah. Oh my god. Right? I want to thank. I want to thank Julianne Moore's children. Um, <laughs> you know. Speaking of which, were you uh, were you watching the Oscars last night? I didn't. But ooh, don't get me started. Don't get me started. <laughs> um, Casey Thomas, uh, Lori Lockney. Um. Oh my goodness. Uh, Lenny Constance, Mandy Boyle. Um, my goodness, Sam Nardelli. Um, the, I mean, the, the executive committee, shall we say, is still kind of forming. Um, Jen Patica. Um, my goodness. The, I mean, like there, you know, Chantel. I mean, we've had, you know, we've had some Elizabeth Bohan. Oh my God, Elizabeth's like the second in command. I that, that would have sucked if I forgot. <laughs> um. <laughs> I just I'm I'm so scatterbrained right now. Um, there's a there's a lot of people that are kind of on board. The roles of what people need to do. We're really being particular of making sure we're not, you know, robbing you know Peter to pay Paul in that system. Um, there's people that are like I can do this and I can be involved. Doesn't mean they have to be sitting at the executive table, which is just the fancy word for the people that have to do the the dirty work, the the yeah. not fun work. Um, but yeah, no, we're really excited. We're going to still keep holding volunteer meetings. We need lots of different volunteers. We need tech operators. We need venue managers to handle, to be the liaisons between the fringe, the venues and the artists. We need, uh, you know, box office. We need, you know, as many people want to help with marketing. Um, we are looking for interns. I just attended the Marywood university internship fair that went quite well. Um, but yeah, no. So there's, it's, it's, it's a massive community effort. That's making this happen. There's people like you guys that are helping get the word out there and helping spread and, um, you know, encapsulating all that is Scranton. Uh, I met with, I met with the NEPA Visitors Bureau. There's so many agencies and nonprofits and businesses. Lamar Advertising, Garrity Supermarkets, who's going to be selling all of our buttons and their branches come summer. Um, they're all, uh, Lamar Advertising not only has made a fiscal donation, but it's also uh, going to be donating digital billboards whenever we need them. Um, I mean, we really have so many, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. So I'm going to stop because if I don't, if I, as long as I don't list a thousand instead of not listing one, well, we're going to have you clear. back on when it comes. Oh, Tay, oh Tay, you don't have to, you know, and some trapeze artists who will just be know. who will be here doing flips and It's going to be amazing. Not only not only am I afraid of heights, I'm afraid of people next to heights. I'm one of those. What about ribbon dancers? That's no. Why not? Why? I don't that's know. Not, that's if a valid was, like, art form. Yeah, but if I was gonna like film it, maybe do it. You n- you never do no because I think it's I it. think it, I think it could be beautiful. But when you but I think it's beautiful when it's we're gonna in cut slow together. motion. We're gonna invite some who are just gonna dance around you. Just dance around time. you the whole time. Yeah, <laughs> and just make me feel totally and absolutely <laughs> yeah. uncomfortable. Right. Um, we could get some ribbons in here. Yeah, you totally right. could make it happen. Let's do that. Okay, great. All you right, can you, and you can dance if you want, Lauren. Not on video. <laughs> Why are you mad about the Oscars? Why okay, are you mad about let me preface watch? this. Let I didn't watch. <laughs> let me preface this with none of it matters. There's bigger things going on in the world. I'm an actor and a writer. I'm saying this openly. Like that. That is what I would. That is my dream is to reach there. And I openly admit it doesn't matter in the grand I, scheme of things. Can I say I agree with you? Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with you. You yeah. know what you know it does matter. What? Lady it does Gun not Gus matter. Gloves. No, it doesn't matter. They, they were pre- they were pretty no they were pretty sick. I saw the video of that. I'm not gonna lie. Um, I didn't see all the nominees, so I of the best. I'm 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 referring to the best actor category. Um, I don't care. I'm sure you deserved it. I mean, people voted on it. It wasn't like it was one person. You know, yeah, but they campaign for that shit. And okay, I don't really blame them. It's for your career. I mean, like you but, know, but it's no different too, than what we're doing right now. How, how can you say you know 
before I got into film, before mm-hmm. like I was like, oh, that's my path. Yeah. I would. I was like, "Oh my god, this is amazing! This is incredible! This is fantastic!" And then I got into film, and I'm like, "This is bullshit." But it is though. I still think it's, I'm not just. Dis- I'm not dissing the beautiful work and, that they've and, done. But the, but the irony is, is like I'm like, "This is bullshit," and they're like, "You're nominated," and I'm like, "No way!" Oh my god, thank you. Yeah. Um, I don't understand how Michael Keaton didn't win the Oscar. I don't understand. I've I, I out of the of the nominees, and forgive me if I'm missing anyone else. I did see. I saw the Imitation Game, Benedict Cumberbatch. Uh, I did see the theory of everything with that Eddie Rainman. Red, Redmayne. Redmayne. Excuse me. I for, forgive me. That's not, I should know it. Eddie Redmayne for the theory of everything, which was great. And I did see Michael Keaton and Birdman. And from a total objective standpoint, amongst those three, if Bradley Cooper won, I couldn't have made a judgment because I didn't see it. So I that's not think, fair. I didn't think. He, I didn't think. That's fine. That I good. didn't see it, so I can't judge on that. Of the three that I did, which I thought were the top contenders anyway, I. If you know, if Bradley Cooper had won, okay, maybe if I saw American Sniper and then I could make a judgment. I don't understand how Michael Keaton didn't win. I saw those performances on a total objective level. He was so much better. In my objective opinion about something that doesn't matter and an opinion who doesn't matter, he was phenomenally more nuanced. And yes, people come back and say, well, of course he is. He's more experienced and older. It doesn't matter. You should win because you were the best. Meryl Streep continues to win those those things. And that's subjective as well because those that group of people decided she was of whatever whenever she did win the best that she won. But Connor, yes, Inaratu did win, and maybe Inaratu got those nuance nuances out of Michael Keaton. That is true. Yeah, but that's not to. But at the same time, it's like you know, look if okay if if the nominees for best actor. Mm-hmm were five people who performed his character in Birdman. Mm-hmm. Okay. But we're not. We're taking separate I individual understand. things, trying to judge them on a way where it's like, that okay. makes sense. Okay, then that's... If you want to talk about but, I mean, like, and I readdress think, the whole system of it, that's totally fine yeah, and but, fair. Yeah, but I mean, that's that's why it's totally like a goof and it's just a night for people to feel... You know, better about themselves. Right. Yeah, and that's and totally even fine. The, even the viewer. That's totally fine. Yeah. I, I totally accept that. But because it for for what it is within its own world and its own structure, a world I, a word I detest, I think he should have won. Not just my opinion. No, I thought he was great. My opinion. Did you think he was better than? But they're they're different. That's like saying that's like saying Connor, you're better than me, or I'm better than you. For the cap for the, for the for the capability of for the for the, I guess I should say the gauge on which they could have achieved their strongest characters. Michael Keaton went above and beyond. Eddie did a wonderful job. And I don't wish the, I mean, like, first of all, he's never going to hear this. So it's not like, you know, not until I'm, we tag him and Twitter him and then the world just descends upon. I just, in, in my objective opinion, <laughs> wouldn't it be great if Eddie Raidman came on here to be like, as an, as, as, as a fan, <laughs> that's not what he sounds like at all. As, <laughs> as a fan, I love Benedict Cumberbatch. I love Sherlock. I've loved anything. I loved, you know, his role in Star Trek. If we still can't say who he was, um, we can't. <laughs> I, other, I don't know. Spoiler alert. He's con. Um, con. Um, uh, which he should have screamed. Um, no. Next time. Next for the third one. Yeah. Um, Star no. Trek Three: The Return of Connor. I, I mean, as an actor, as a fan, as an artist, I value him the most. And that's not to say, I mean, just because I liked the things that he's in and I, I, I appreciate his nuance. I feel for him in some ways. I know what it's like to take really weird looking pictures. I know what it's like to have a really pale, fair 
weird bone structure complexion. I know the pain of that. And I he's a, he is an icon and he's a figure for a community of pasty white men out everywhere of European <laughs> Benedict Cumberbatch. of European descent everywhere. Yeah. He is smug. See, I th- okay. And Doctor Strange. Are, are we are we Yes. Yes, he will be. Yes. Can't wait. Are you excited? So excited. Thrilled. Is this one of your is this one of your like it's one of casting my- things where you're like this is a good idea. Big one, yeah. Definitely. Okay. Um is is it is it that we like like I think Michael Keaton consider considering his body of work and everything that mm-hmm. he's done deserved it, but we're okay. looking at it from a performance standpoint, right? And there's you know, Scorsese was nominated like twelve times before he even friggin' won, and he won for a movie that he probably shouldn't have. He, he should have won for the eleven other movies before. Who were the other? Just to make a fair assessment, who were the other male nominees? There was Michael Keaton, Benedict Cumberbatch, Benedict Cumberbatch, Eddie Redmayne. Eddie Redmayne. Um, was it David Oyelowo from Selma? From Selma, correct. And then I think that's it. No, there was like nine. There was nine Best Actor. Maybe I'm wrong about no, that. Best Picture. Best Picture. There was a ton. There was. Was that all of them? I that's just only four. There's usually five. Okay, let's even use that. Let's even American Sniper. Oh, Bradley Cooper. I said that. Yeah, American Sniper. Bradley Cooper. Hot political topic. Selma. Civil rights. The Imitation Game historical you know account and also gay rights um very the theory theory of everything very that wasn't the focus of it michael keaton birdman washed up white male actor trying to make sense of the world and i still think he should have won based on strictly performance but it is what it is there is there was there's no community supporting michael michael keaton's birdman and this is coming from someone who i support well, not you know what I mean. I I, I endorse all the, the the statements and messages. Birdman didn't have a soapbox, and maybe that's why I liked it best. And I'm totally biased. And I lo- the imitation game nearly made me cry. It, I thought it was so well done, and I, I I felt for the character, and I I and I and I thought it was so beautiful, and I mean and tragic, tragically beautiful at the same time. And theory of everything was lovely and was inspiring. Strictly based on performance, I liked Michael Keaton better. I, I think I agree with you. Now, obviously, from uh, from an actor and playwright standpoint, does that make you kind of analyze these a little bit more? Like, can you really watch a movie objectively when you're a part of that that world, or uh, you know, are, are you yeah. kind of actor picking apart right. little things? What's that? If the actor does it right, yeah, yeah. If if everyone's doing their job right, I get. I Birdman got an audible like you, I was I was seeing my friend Joe Joe Connor. I was sitting next to him. I had an Joe. audible response the scene when he's coming out of a liquor store and it was a beautifully filmed with like those like lights chili and, pepper and there's the home there's a homeless man doing macbeth's monologue you know you know struts upon the stage and then he turns to him and it's a throwback to an earlier line i'm giving full warning sorry if you didn't see it. it's a beautiful scene no seriously spoiler skip over a couple little bit it doesn't mean anything to the plot it's just a beautiful moment he turns to him and out of nowhere just goes i'm just trying to give you a range man the, the nuance of that man's performance, Michael Keaton's reaction, the way it was filmed, the throwback to an earlier line by a different character, I literally went, oh, it was like breathtakingly poignant. And sometimes those things are a little, I mean, then the fact that the way it was, I mean, the true gem of that movie besides the performances and, you know, writing was first and foremost the way it was filmed. It was so beautiful and it was so, the way it was seen. Well, that's, to- that's Chio. That's, that's, that's Emmanuel Lubezki. Was he the cinematographer? Yeah, he did. He did movies such as like Children of Men. Did he? He won, right? He oh was, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they won Best Picture, and it yes. won yeah. And the Imitation Game won Best ad- Adapted Screenplay. That now, won Best now Original. Now there's a great. There's a great. Um, there's a podcast called. Um, oh Jesus Christ! 
um, the, that's an interesting the, podcast. The Q and A with Jeff Goldsmith, who used to, who used to, who he used to be the editor in chief of uh, 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 Creative Screenwriting Magazine, right? So he they do podcasts with like writers and stuff, and he didn't get. Um, uh, there was one with um, Inaratu, and then there was one with Edward Norton and Michael Keaton, mm-hmm. and they were talking about like Inaratu's process. Where you know, I mean, like there's this, there's there's these three big directors from Mexico, which is um, Alfonso Cuarón, Del- Inaratu, and Guillermo, um, Del Toro. and Guillermo del Toro, who and they're like they're the like three, the three best friends, the three amigos, <laughs> the three amigos, and you know. Um, Emmanuel Lubezki does like Alfonso Cuarón movie. He did, he was the cinematographer for Gravity. Okay, um, which I didn't say. They, 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 there was a great story, and so so uh, Emmanuel Lubezki's um, the cinematographer's nickname is Chio. So they all call him Chio. I don't know what the hell that means. So Edward Norton and Michael Keaton were having this conversation about Inaratu's process, and 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 you know Michael Keaton's like you know I do it one way, and then you know Alfonso or uh, uh, Inaratu comes over and, and says, you know, now do it like this totally different way. Mm-hmm. And he goes, he goes, then I do it this totally different way. And he goes, they're long takes. Right. He goes, so then he comes back and he goes, no, 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 go back to the other way. And he goes, then I do that. And then Inaratu comes back over and goes, no, 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 go back to the other way. Right. And he goes, I, you know, he goes as an actor, like you start like, oh my God, am I doing something wrong? Mm-hmm. Am I doing something? And he goes, he goes, Chio just leaned over to me and goes, don't worry, man. He's just talking to himself. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like. You that's a process, I mean? but but like that's like the the and the, the and the, the uh, dynamic that right. these guys have, well, which is which and is the incredible. uncomfortableness that he was placing in his actors might have just been what he wanted. He might have just wanted them to be a little, yeah, it, you it, know. It, it, I mean, it totally could be, but like you know that if you watch interviews with Emmanuel Lebesky, so he's fascinating. He's just like this guy to, who who totally understands right. light camera movement. Mm-hmm. Everything is amazing. To jump back to Rich, I, as an actor and a playwright, if I can even call myself that, um, you can. I can, but I think we're talking about apples and Oscar-winning oranges, um, <laughs> uh, and well-known oranges. And I'm talking from Scranton, PA. Um, no, I don't think so. I mean, the same way that you know, have you, you know, whatever you, anyone's. I mean, do you read newspaper articles? I mean, if if something's you know incorrectly done, then you switch on to that mode. If not, no. I think it's pretty much just. I definitely sit there and think, I want that part. I definitely sit there and think, I want to do that. Yeah, as a writer, it'll give me a better appreciation after I'm done. If I'm reading right. something and then I, I look back on it and go, okay, that was a good read because... Blah, 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 blah. Right. right. Then, so I'm assuming that movies would probably be similar. Theater's sense. different, though. Right. When I, I can't sit through theater. I can still have a great time, and if I love it and it's beautiful, I'll engage in it. I will always have something to say, even if it's positive. Oh, my God, that was so great because of this reason. But generally, I'll always have something I would have done differently. It's yeah, but so it's, subjective. But it's, but it's good that right. you have a reason you know what i mean right. where a lot of people are just like i don't like that well, why don't you like that right i don't know the, why why did you like that the worst like, thing in the why. world is an armchair critic and because 99 percent of the time they That's have most of nothing are. to add to the know? dialogue like exactly right. yeah they just i like it or i don't like it but i can't give you any real criticism as to why yeah i don't know right. i don't know why and and, and you know what you know, doing doing what I do, especially you know, since I got like you know Jimmy working on this movie and and Jared Tobin's actually coloring the movie right now, and then I have a I have a meeting in a little bit um, with the director who's amazing, um, uh, Carrie Patton, um, but he's he's amazing in a way where he's, um, 
it, it's very cool to work with. Like, like, like I call myself, I've always called myself a blue collar filmmaker. I'm never the guy who's like, but the light needs to, and it's supposed to show the expression of, and you're perform like, I don't, I don't know how to do that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know how to get into somebody's head to get them where I want them to go. And it becomes very frustrating to me, which in turn becomes very frustrating to whomever I'm working with. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Carrie's the kind of guy who's like, you know, he's like, just, you know, let's see what happens, you know? And then from there, you know, cause the, cause the thing is, is like you, you, you get good people to do the job and then you really don't have to talk to them. So he really, he's treating the project more like this living, breathing thing that's continuing to develop as opposed to like, say, you know, this is my vision. It has to be this way. Yeah. From he's, beginning not, to yeah end. he's not walking in with a schematic for like what right. he wants it to be. Cause some, cause some directors do that, which is fine. And that's, and that's, you know, how some people work. Everybody's different. You're never going to work with the same person twice, you know, um, Going back to you know directors, I don't know if anybody here appreciates David Fincher, mm-hmm. but I did post. Yeah, I just watched uh, Gone Girl. Uh, over it was the really good. It was great. Yeah. I posted. Um, there's like this 12 minute snippets of like this conversation that he had, and some and, and the and the moderator asked him a question like you know why do you do like 99 takes, mm-hmm. and his his whole conversation and his whole thing was he's like all right we're at a set that took six weeks to build, right? It cost us millions of dollars to build it. And we're paying every creative professional, every actor, every grip, you know, me, the producer, like everybody's getting paid. And the goal is to get out as soon as possible. Right. You know what I mean? He's like, let's take the time and get it right. Sure. Good for him. You know, which gave me, you know, I always love David Fincher, everything he's ever done. But I, I, the only thing I haven't seen is Benjamin Button. I I, I, I just really didn't interest me. Meh. I thought it Good. was a very nice movie. I, I I'll probably get to it. It just really didn't interest me. Like David Fincher, like just I I just love his work. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I'm the yeah. guy who's like I love David Fincher, and, right? And Michael Bay, right? <laughs> <laughs> For two completely different reasons. Because you know I was just listening to a, a, a conversation with Paul Thomas Anderson on uh, WTF with Mark Maron, mm-hmm. and Paul Thomas Anderson is like he's like I have those heady movies. At my house, he's like, but I also have Billy Madison. Right. I mean, everyone, right. No one is completely a genius. Yeah. Nobody's going to be like, I need to watch Network 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Right. Or even Birdman for that, because depending on your mood, like movies are your drug, man. Movies are your little interesting trivia question to just a question or or fact Uh, question that I'll tell you the fact. Um, Cameron Diaz, she was in Gaines in New York, correct? She was the female. That part was originally intended for blank. Uh, Julia Roberts? Nope. It's kind of a trick question. Scarlett Johansson? Meryl Streep. Really? Because oh. it took him years to get it made. That's how long it took him? Oh, geez. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. That's really... I, I, and if I'm wrong, please correct me, because I've, I've seen that from numerous sources, but I've never like seen Martin Scorsese say it. Right. It just took him that long. Scorsese has a problem with making movies. Like it always takes a long time. Well, it's not like he wasn't it's either making like movies. I think it was no, like no, no, that no. Movie. But like that movie, like he's he's doing a movie right now that he's been trying to do for twenty five years. Well, yeah, a lot of those those big directors have those projects where it takes them a long time to get to that point. But a lot of yeah. times it it works in its favor because you know it wasn't it's, right, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it wasn't the right time for like Gangs in New York. I don't know, like with the the great sets and the big budgets and things like that. Maybe you wouldn't have had that opportunity twenty years before. You know, to no, do something probably of cost, that scale. Yeah, it probably would have cost a momentous amount of money just to because they'd have to build that. There's well, no such thing uh, as yeah. Like, a lot of it they filled in with CG, but they yeah. did it very 
tasteful. How old would Daniel Day Lewis have been? Back then? Yeah. When he tried to make Gangs of New York? Like whenever I, I don't know the exact year, but if you're if you're figuring Meryl Streep was the ingenue at the time. Yeah, right. And, so, I mean, and and I think Meryl Streep is gorgeous. I'm not dissing Meryl Streep. She's you know, at that time she wasn't Cameron Diaz anymore, but neither is Cameron Diaz. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What else do we want to so, talk about? Well, let's. Uh, I want to talk about uh, you know local theater and Scranton theater in, in, in general. Uh, you know because uh, I think the big challenge for uh, something now Scranton Fringe Festival is a brand new idea. It's something brand new to the area. A lot of people don't even know what, like we said before, what a fringe festival is. Correct. So now, uh, you know, th- local theater, uh, same thing. It's always uh, difficult to get people to get there and uh to watch the theater but everyone that i know that does always loves it and appreciates it mm-hmm. and i've seen a lot of great shows uh, particularly at uh the old brick theater in north scranton where uh they're packing the place and granted it's a small space mm-hmm. but they're, they're they're packing it and they're getting people to go to these shows and i think that's uh amazing and a, and a great accomplishment for any local theater because mm-hmm. i've seen a lot of local theaters come and go i've seen a lot of local theater groups come and go uh-huh so uh you know what 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 is the the secret to getting people to come out to these shows and a, and a you know grow that audience? I'm sorry, I was incredibly distracted. Um, no, but I but, <laughs> but I, I I heard the question. Um, Pan in the control room, everybody. I heard the question. Um, no, uh, the challenge. Just to, I'm sorry, just to put your question in a nutshell, because I know we're all distracted. The, the challenge. People, uh, theater is a very difficult thing to sell. Um, it's mm-hmm. not like a band show. I mean, financially, it's to do it well. And um, there's theater that I there's great local theater. Let me press that. There's amazing local theater. There's some local theater I don't care for, and I think is subpar. And I and I think that's and that's okay because it's and the fact that it happens is a great opportunity and should happen. I, I don't have to love everything. Um, but the fact I mean, financially, if you're going to do something well, I mean, even the most basic, simple. You have to rehearse. You have to learn your lines. And I hate using it in that way because that makes it seem so like, and then if you're going to do that, do it. You have to. You right. I mean, just in a, you know, taking the art and the, you should take it seriously mantra out of it. Fundamentally, you have to build sets. You have to market. You have to have staff. You have to rehearse. You have to rehearse, 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 rehearse. A band who is just as important an art form rehearses can be called up in three days and say, hey, do you want to play this gig? As long as they have their act together, they can. I mean, some bands are very, you know, perfectionist and need to rehearse specifically for every show. At the end of the day, you give a guitarist, you know, a guy who, you know, a guitar, go play this song, he can, you know, sound check and be ready to go in 20 minutes. You cannot do that with theater, at least not theater in that kind of sense. Um, Bye, Mark. Okay, is, Mark, is there a is there a, a bigger payoff then? Uh, you know, build building all that up and doing all this work. Uh, oh, I mean, is the payoff you know worth it in the end? I I, th- I think so. Um, put a musician in my standpoint, they probably wouldn't dis- probably disagree. And I cannot sing, and I cannot you know strong guitar for my life, so I don't know how to put that correlation. I think so. Um, I mean, and yeah, and sometimes the financial payoff for organizations you know is more than a let's say a club makes off of a band. Sure. Um, but then again, uh, not really, because when you consider alcohol and food sales and stuff like that, um, there's not a lot of money in theater. And especially when you're doing copyrighted stage right material, people are v- not I want to say ignorant would be shocked to discover how much it costs. A straight drama, non-musical generally costs between 70 minimally. It's seventy five dollars a show to get the rights to. Um, sometimes it's more. It, it, they, they base it on. 
um, how professional a level is your production, how many seats. It usually just comes down to how many seats does your theater have. That's really what it comes down to. If you have an mm. eight eight thousand seat, you know, amphitheater, it's going to be more because you have the potential to make way more money off this. Right. Um, space like the old brick, for example, they probably are paying the standard seventy five. Mm-hmm. I would assume. I don't know that that varies in so many factors. Musicals, though, like especially you know the Music Man, Annie. For God's sakes, I mean, if they give you the rights, that you're talking thousands and thousands of dollars. Oh, man, I had no idea. Oh yeah, it's a fortune. I mean, and that's just to get the rights, but that's because it's a, it's a people pleaser. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you're going to get kids and grandma to go see the music man and Annie and Peter Pan and sound of music and all Which that is jazz. why you, you see that in, in, you know, high school and theater and things right. like that. You know, I, some, I mean, some college theater, you know, it has a lot of parts to go around. It has a lot of people that can be in it. And because then you have 50 kids in a show, they're all going to bring, you know, 10 to 20 people. Yeah. yeah. You'll make that back. And then some, but that's just talking about the royalty rights, not costumes, not marketing, not tech, not staff, not your orchestra, not it's theater can be real. Theater can be really expensive. And then don't even get me started on once you start getting into the unions, equity and uh, IATSE, the technical unions. So, yeah. And the the other thing too, and I've, I've had this discussion with a a lot of theater people is um, you know, I, I feel like, you know, there's some audiences who get it and there's other audiences who are like, they're, they're almost intimidated by, especially like small productions Mm -hmm. where the, the actors are right in front of them and they're performing right there and that sort of thing. There's this element, um, especially I think uh, since the development of, uh, media and social media and you know, cell phones and things like that. Uh, people are almost detached from their entertainment. It's almost background noise anymore. Mm-hmm. People, uh, you know, will, will go to the movies and you see them on their phone the entire time. They're even, uh, you know, people will talk, uh, they'll, they'll live tweet, they'll sit on Facebook all day during a television program and talk about it as it goes. You see that all the time and I'm sure, you know, you've, you've had your favorite show spoiled by somebody or something like that because they're just constantly talking about it all the time and that's all you see mm-hmm. and uh w- in theater you can't really get away with that because uh you know a lot of times uh, other than the bright lights being in your face sometimes you know the actors can kind of see what you're up to it's and, very and intimate so yeah it's much more of an intimate experience it's much more shared experience and i think that's great in terms of uh you know as a as a performance artist and mm-hmm. uh as uh, you know, someone who's trying to make a connection to the audience, but as the audience, they might feel maybe intimidated by because that. now we have that safety blanket of oh, if I'm bored, I can always escape into my digital yes, universe. Exactly, you can't do that in theater. <gasps> You'd be surprised. You, I, oh no! Oh, it I, shouldn't. It you shouldn't, and it's rare. Um, I was in a show where an actor called somebody out from the stage. Which I found just as inappropriate, to be totally frank. I mean, I thought it was hysterical, and I respect that person. Um, it wasn't local; it was a it was a production done elsewhere um, that I was in. But yeah, they called someone flat out, like, "Hey, who you talking to?" And it was it broke the it broke the moment. So I mean, as an actor, you like suck it up and deal. Wall. Yeah, because you're breaking the fourth. It's, wall you there. suck it up yeah. and deal. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, Patty Lapone, uh, you know, darling, famous, you know, diva of Broadway. There's a you can listen to an audio recording, which is ironic, um, <laughs> on uh, YouTube. I, I found it where she was in the middle of her big finale number of Gypsy on Broadway and literally went stop. Someone was taking pictures in the theater, and she like made them kick them out. And that's a little. I'll acknowledge. I mean, if any other actor but her did that, the union would have killed them. 
I mean, for shutting down a show. And the best thing is when she was freaking out about it, someone else, you hear it on the audio, like snapped the picture and she just turned. I mean, she's an incredibly professional, experienced, highly respected actress. That can be really dangerous. That's not just rude. And it is rude. It's distracting. It's rude. You're, I mean, she said, you know, you were told at the intermission, you're told at the beginning, it's in the programs. I mean, for those, I mean, when you're on stage and musicians, you know, that's just, it's dangerous, but they're a little bit more used to it. And when you're on stage playing, you're usually just staying stationary. You move around a little bit. When you're an actor, I mean, I've had, I've been in shows where I have like a foot to play with, or I'm falling off the stage, or I'm going to get hurt really bad. And if flash happens in my face that I'm not expecting, at the least it's distracting, it's rude, and it'll take me out of the moment. It At the worst, I've seen people like get, you know, you know, it's, there's been Broadway performers who have gotten flash photography and stumbled back and tripped over and fell because, I mean, you know, think about how that's when actors walk the red carpet. They stop. They look. They look. They move on. That's why they create stations. When you're constantly getting flashed by that paparazzi, like, you know, how, you know, major, major celebrities do, that's when accidents happen. Oh, so. my goodness. Imagine if any celebrity walking the red carpet has some sort of neurological condition that causes seizures. I'd, right. I would wonder if they just can't do it then. I couldn't imagine <laughs> they could. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Well, you know, there's, there's, uh, you know, like we said, there's so many things that, that people don't take into account, you know, especially when it comes to, uh, to these types of things, because we have that wall between us in terms of entertainment, you know, like we talk about, uh, celebrities all the time. And that's why I love things, you know, like when the celebrities read the tweets about themselves and stuff like that. Cause it's funny because I think people tend to forget that these are actual real people that we're talking about here. Right. And, you know, maybe we think that there's this wall where they're never, they never hear it, but sometimes they do, you know? Yeah. And I, I just, I feel like we should have a little more respect for, for people and, and, and that sort of thing, especially because, um, you know, these are the people that we, we apparently love so much. We can't stop talking about them. We can't stop watching them. Uh, you know, we can't stop, uh, the conversation about it yet. Uh, you know, we, we think that we can just say what we want to say and, you know, spew things. And I just don't, I, I don't, I don't have respect for people who do that. I think you should have a more objective uh, human way of looking at things you know i mean and i guess maybe that comes from you know i did a little uh acting when i was in high school and i had a lot of fun and that brought me out of my shell a lot too Mm -hmm. you know i wasn't a i was a a very shy quiet guy and i was picked on all through grade school so i really had this you know i was really self-conscious but um you know theater was able to really uh, pull me out of that and i had to force myself even into that you know because it wasn't like somebody said okay you're taking a theater class right i had to consciously say i'm going to put myself in front of people and want to piss myself, you know, and hope that, you know, I'm as entertaining in my head mm-hmm. as I, as I am in, in person, you right. know, and it was a lot of fun and it, 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 you know, worked out well. And I, I enjoyed that, um, that aspect of things. Now, how, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. How did, now, how did you, what was your experience into that? How did you transition into, uh, you know, being an actor and playwright? Um, I've always liked attention. <laughs> I've, always been, I've always been a big fan of attention. That's important. Um, I did my first show when I was 13. It was it was uh, uh, Scranton Reed's production. It was like a citywide production of Our Town. Mm. I was George. Um, Paige Bolitsky actually directed that. Oh, cool. Um, and uh, from there, it just kind of steamrolled, um, you know, through a little bit in high school, community theater, like anyone does community theater, took classes, took workshops, both locally in New York. Um, I've had the fortunate uh, opportunity at an administrative level to work with a few and like behind the scenes with a few wonderful 
theater uh, programs and companies such as the Living Theater. They are the longest running experimental theater in the country. They were founded in 1949, I believe, still under the leadership of, I mean, she's kind of patched the torch. She's still, you know, kicking um, uh, the amazing, brilliant, groundbreaking Jud- Judith Molina. Um, uh, I was able to meet her and her, you know, team of actors and see, I was able to be in a performance of one of her works the last time, one of the last shows they get, they performed, um, in New York on Clinton street. Um, they're still active, just not in that space. Um, but yeah, just kind of went from there. And then two years ago, uh, an Eastern wind gale force called Simone Daniel, uh, mm-hmm. came into my life. She came to the theater and we did, um, uh, production that the vintage produced of Pride and Prejudice that was done back in May, May, May 2013. It was a, in honor of the 200th anniversary, it was a huge, it was like a 14 cast production. Um, I'm not sure if you got to see it or not. That's totally cool. Um, we did get to perform, I think close to like five to 700 people total throughout the two weekends. It was this huge That's massive great. production. It was a reinvention of the Pride and Prejudice in 19, it was taken from, we took it from 1813 England and transplanted it to early 1960s America new england um which was really fun to work with the characters in that way so we, we played brother and sister in that uh she and i also both adapt like i i was the primary adapter of that script and then she helped tweak things here or there it was a very collaborative process because the struggle was finding respect of austin words but making it make sense you know the the, the, the jargon used in 1963 is not the same um and then from there we wrote together. So we, you know, worked together in improv and other little shows and stuff like that. Um, and the vintage ensemble, even though the vintage is a venue, it has closed and is closed. Um, the new vintage ensemble is still kicking. Um, we're both members of that, not in a leadership capacity, but just, um, actors and dedicated supporters. So they're going to be announcing their stage reading series and their lineup for everything, um, very soon. So that's exciting. And then she and I co-wrote, and we co-perform with a two-person show called The Darling Core, which, Rich, you were very fortunate enough to very, very, oh my God, that almost came out awful. You were very fortunate. We were we were very fortunate enough for you to come out. I was going to say it's so for you were very, you were very fortunate enough to you see it. You were very lucky, Rich. Um, yeah. No, I was we, though. We I were very fortunate though. to have Rich come see it. And I would be happy to talk about that in any way. Um, we did it in Pittsburgh in May 2014 for The Fringe, brought it back immediately to Scranton at The Vintage in May. And then we just did it back in November at The Old Brick with an updated, with a slightly expanded script. Um, and I can be, I can publicly announce that we're being produced by the cell. It's a 20, it's called the cell theater in Chelsea, New York, uh, April 29th. We're doing a one night only gala, you know, party, uh, performance of it. And then the intention is if that all goes well for the run that we've been campaigning for like a a four to five week off Broadway run. Um, but it's going to have its New York premiere, um, in a gorgeous space in a really great company that's producing it for us. So we're so excited, um, and we can't wait. And that's, and that is being done under the electric residence, which is basically the collective name of Simone and I. Well, congratulations on that. Thank that's, you. that's really great. Thank you. We're excited. It wouldn't have been possible without, you know, local support and all the people who helped us and, you know, people like you who came out and, you know, shared their thoughts and feedback from it. Um, but yeah, they loved the script. They were happy with the feedback and the, you know, materials we're able to give them. And we're so excited to be working with them. I highly recommend it. Yeah, we're, if you're interested, uh, if if you look through our archives, uh, we did do a review of the show, and we gave it a very, uh, you know, I, I gave it a very uh, great review because I thought it was great, and you know, I just Thank thought you. it was a, a really original, uh, different kind of show. And it's like we we were talking about before; it's an intimate show. I mean, it's it's only two people. 
and uh, and it's got a really interesting story, and it you think you know where it's going to go, and you, you do don't. not. No, you really don't. You know, you start to get these little hints, and uh, what I liked about it is it, it doesn't treat the audience. Uh, like you see a lot of, especially movies now, where movies kind of have to spell everything out for you. That was actually, uh, to, to mention Gone Girl again, that's kind of what I liked about Gone Girl a little bit is um, usually those types of films where there's a mystery, um, it, it follows the certain formula. Like by the time we get to the third act, there's like an entire 10 to 15 minutes dedicated to over explaining right. how how everything happened and where everyone was. And let's so show- So she was already in show. the house. Right, exactly. And it just- it so it babies the audience it treats you like, like they're stupid and it's like it, it's I'm sorry but uh, you know audiences are not that dumb you know like they I, th- I think they deserve more respect than that and mm-hmm. um, so I, I really liked that uh, the Darling Corps in particular um, is is intelligent and it's proud of being intelligent it's not trying to dumb it down for a general audience or anything mm-hmm. I think it's fun we wrote the kind of show that we wanted to do and the kind of show mm-hmm. that we thankfully has been generally well received by others um it was very well received in pittsburgh um we've gotten great local feedback and anyone we've sent the script to has for the most some don't like it and that's okay that's subjective uh majority i will say with every bit of humble pride um have been a fan of it and i think it's a testimony to just how well simone and i work together both both as writers and performers um We've often talked about like people have asked us, we've done interviews, like, do you have a, a style or an approach to your art? And we just I mean, and 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 depending on what we're working on, we do have something we're you know, but we don't have a soapbox is our is that is a common thing. We don't have a soapbox. Sometimes soapbox will emerge from our um, you know, uh development from that, but we don't uh set out to we think the world is absurd and people are absurd and we just we just try to <laughs> display that the darling core for anyone who don't know is the story of adam and lilith the the alleged mythological original couple um before eve even it was adam and lilith um and because god just can't stand them he's cursed them with immortality and for the past hundred years they've been a vaudeville duo so mm-hmm. it's kind of like the facade of their on stage personas oh, versus- you didn't see it no i didn't see it. oh it was really good thank you mark um you know me i don't go to plays man he doesn't he does. He did. I made him come to this. Mark, oh, you're a, one of those people. Mark. No, 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 no. And Connor, I think, is going to explain, <clears throat> or Mark. maybe not. <laughs> I'll just keep. I, I was. What I was going to say. I'm not sure. What I was going to say was Mark is a very, very dear, good supporter and friend. And whenever I, I invite him to stuff all the time. Comes to very few of it. When I do tell him specifically, I'll text him and say, "It would really mean a lot to me if you were there." He's always been there. And it's and I and I and I usually select those very carefully, not only for things that I really do need him there for or want him there for, but for things that I, I know he'll like. Hold this. <laughs> <laughs> Could you stand here? Could you get the yeah, door sure, or whatever? Thank you, Mark. Um, no, but uh, no. Did you enjoy it? I really did. But my. No, no, no. I feel I know. I, feel, I know I'm I bragging. Feel, this is the first time I'm hearing about this. No, no, no. I feel really. I feel really, really stupid because i liked um i loved every moment of it and Mm -hmm. i think i think you and simone have great chemistry and i think you have great chemistry because you're such good friends Mm -hmm. um i also think that you're both very um what's the word fearless when it comes to being on stage we have no shame right but i think that's what makes for a great performance because you're not afraid you know if it fails Mm -hmm. you're okay with that Mm mm-hmm you know, that's only that's only an experience to make it better. Right. Most people are afraid to look stupid 
and you've I've never seen you look stupid. Oh, then you're not looking. Right, but that's but that's why <laughs> but that's why I think like, you know, in terms of um uh in terms of and uh, actors that when you look at performances in the past as you know, and I can only speak from film, but a lot of the great actors come from some sort of comedic background because they're they're not afraid to go to those places where they're going to make a fool of themselves, which which mean that this is my interpretation of it. No, no. No, no like Robin Williams, it's like, oh, dude, the oh. guy Mork from Ork. And he's turned in some of the best, you know, dramatic performances that, you know, I've seen. And then, you know, God bless his heart. But so it really bothered, like, it didn't bother me with the Darling Core. It was, it was just like, I, like at the end, like everybody got a card when they walked in. Mm -hmm. And I finally, like all the, like, so I know that there's this, these, it's Adam and Lilith, right? Something. Yeah. Well, cause, and it was done differently. You saw it in May, Rich saw it in November. Um, so it was a different run. It was we we put it in the program, and that was actually something you commented on. That's been an interesting debate. One of the biggest, not faults, but just things that we constantly are going back and forth and figuring out. And this goes back to Rich's comment: is we don't know how much to put right in people's laps. And I think we figure that out pretty well now. And how much to not? I, now, I didn't see the November one. It so. really. I mean, there was there wasn't much more in that department. It was more about our origins and our we, uh, not even our, our history. We went into a little bit more in the new run, and there was some added material, and there was a little bit more comedic bits. Um, I finally figured out what all of it. I didn't know that there, there was a precursor to Adam and Eve, and I, and, and it was yeah. it wasn't until I flipped the because I said to you, I'm like, I loved it. It was great. I don't get it. And you're like, did you look at the card? And I was like no but you know what though and you shouldn't have to and to be totally frank we've kind of come to the decision that we are going to work on that a I'm, little I'm bit. not i'm not saying that no no no, no 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 yeah. it, it's not a fall it's just a point um but that we, we are struggling with we really don't care if you and that doesn't mean like we're, we don't care if you get it or not because there's nothing to because like you can get whatever you want from it if you did you have fun was it a good night out did no it's it, great i love right. like i said but i you know if if you're just if your reply to me was well what did you think mm-hmm I probably would have been okay with that too. Right. I don't like to do, I, I mean, I, I will for you, but I don't generally like to, when well, you think of, did you have fun at my party? No, 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 no. Like, 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 like when I said like, well, what was it, you know, what was like the impetus for these, like, I, like throughout mm-hmm. it, I'm like, okay, they're immortal, blah, blah, blah. Like, where right. is it, where, like, what's the, what's the birth of this? The moment on the card, I was but, like, I was like, oh, I'm an idiot. But you know what though? No, but you want no, you're not. But I enjoyed every and moment you want to know of why? it because originally we really never intended for them to be the Adam and Lilith. They were just a representation of male and female, yin and yang. You know everything. You know what I mean? Like and masculine and feminine, which we shift back and forth between who that is. Um, which I think you guys do great. Thank you. You're welcome. I no, I, like all these are from the heart, man. I know, like, I know I'm they not, are. Yeah. I know they. Are. I don't take compliments. Well, um, you know, me, I'll I demand them. Sucks. <laughs> he will. He has. Um, <laughs> what do you think of that? I don't know. Something to kind of shift this back to a more open dialogue. So now you've seen local theater, correct? Where what, what's the last local play you saw? Just nice to- nod, Lauren. No one heard that. <laughs> I'm trying to engage with her. I feel like we're dominating this conversation unfairly. I don't. I don't speak very much. Okay. Totally not going to say what I would say in private company next. <laughs> She's looking at him sternly. I'm going to narrate this now, <laughs> please. Uh, <laughs> I love Lauren. I love Lauren to death. I think Lauren's absolutely amazing. We, of just, course have, she is. we, we just have like this running joke where it's well, because the three of us just say whatever we want. Well, not so much. The two of us just say whatever we you want. And I. She selects her words carefully. Yeah. Um, you and one I of the, if we're talking about local theater in general, there's a lot of things. 
two biggest areas besides the fact of, you know, I don't have to love everything that happens. I love that it's happening. Audience development. That's literally a job title in new in theaters in New York and, and theaters in other areas, which I understand have budgets that we can't dream of. And that's fine. But get isn't that that's a little different than marketing. It's outreach, marketing and, you know, like surveying all rolled into one, like knowing your audience, getting them there and doing whatever you want. But just knowing who that's responding to and ultimately it comes down to marketing 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 oh, absolutely. marketing marketing yeah. marketing marketing i mean you ha- and i know it sounds unfair you really do have to deliver it on a silver plate to people and you shouldn't have to it's just unfortunately you do you're competing with attention from every and, other kind of media and some and sometimes you know it's 5 bucks to go to the bar and i can have a drink or it's 15 dollars for a theater ticket and then got to go out and drink and i understand trust me i i fall prey to that sometimes and i understand that pain when you're on a budget when you're on time Theaters in this area also need to, theater in my general, you can do whatever you want. They need to market better, know their audience a little better. Don't be afraid to give out a couple of free tickets now and then. You know, audience development's well, important. I, I, but also, I think original work needs to be developed stronger. There's lots of original work that happens. Generally, it's like a series of one acts or shorts. Taking a play and fully developing it is generally going to be more productive because you've really, when you're doing a night of one acts, that usually means, and those those are fantastic. I'm not dissing those. Those are wonderful for what they are. It's a great showcase. It gets lots of playwrights involved. It gets lots of opportunities for different things to be seen. Okay. From those, take one and develop it to a full length of whatever that is. Because when you do that, you're investing all your energy into this one vision to this one show. When unfortunately, when you do one acts, a lot of the times it's like you're sharing sets you're sharing costumes, yeah. you're sharing actors, and that's fine. But once again, the obvious repercussions happen. And we also need to get away from drawing room theater. I'm sorry, I have to say it. There's every other show that I see. It's what like, does that mean? Wacky things happening in a one room setting. <laughs> <laughs> and that's fine. I mean, the Darling Core basically takes place in a one room. I mean, like it, we, we indicate different locations when we're on tour, but like, you just do different. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't know what the answer is, but it's, it's, it's very often like, you know, you know, the importance of being earnest. It's always in like a one room, you know, parlor setting. Like I swear to God, Agatha Christie, she's a great novelist. Her plays are terrible. (laughs) Agatha Christie plays suck. And I directed one before. (laughs) Cause you needed to know. Well, I was I was a freshman in high school. It was for my student production of, and then there were none. And I mean, and and some people have done that play. And then there were none. Yeah. I like the book and I thought, and I do like the play, but the, the play, as I'm sure you know, doesn't stay faithful to the book. And that's, that's a, fun. that's a major, it's fun, but so much of what's so great about her writing is like the inner thoughts and dialogue of her characters. And sometimes that's why like Catcher in the Rye, for example, has never been made into a film one because he was really tight on the rights, but two, how do you, how could you possibly, I think there's ways, but it's a, it's a major challenge. And now put, take that same issue onto a local theater. I have seen, for example, um, Ghostlight Theater a couple of years ago, I think maybe two or three, four or something years ago, did a production of The Mousetrap, which is the longest running play in the world. It's still running in London. It's on its like 60,000th performance. It's still run. It's the longest play in the world. Um, and I think that their production, Ghostlight's production of The Mousetrap, was great and awesome. And I've seen local productions of other Agatha Christie's that are very nice and fun and charming for what they are. 
when that's all that you do, when it's the same thing, when it's Neil Simon, Agatha Christie. And I think sometimes other theater companies, for um, those who are no longer with us, for example, took the opposite route. They just did original and avant-garde and out there. And that's great. It's about balance. It's about knowing your audience. It's about going out there and doing something different, but being sure that you can keep the lights on. Yeah, but I mean, so so part of it's about challenging your palate, and the other thing is about you stuffing know, your giving pockets. people what they want so that it's not it's can... not necessarily like what they you know i don't think it's like what they want like we don't live in a town where like avant-garde is gonna be like the rage yeah. no but i think you have but i mean for example like I there's a niche for that but right. i think a lot of the i think a lot of the times like people need to see i mentioned before i apologize you weren't here but um and i know you didn't see it but you were a major supporter of it and helped it happen um pride and prejudice when we did it yeah um Back in May 2013, it was. I mean, we were totally banking on the fact that it's one of the most well-known books of all time. We had people drive up from like five, six hours away because they just love Jane Austen so much, and I do too. She's one of the most brilliant writers ever. Um, her characters are so universal. That's why we were able to transplant the time and setting. Um, but and we had fun with it, and we made it our own, and we played around with things, and we, there were some amazing performances in that. It was voted the best show. Um, in the area for theater of 2013 because it was just so... Yeah, but you guys put a lot of work. Oh, it was a lot of work. But just my example being we did something with a familiar name, something with a popular draw, but still were able to make it artistically. And my sister Maggie actually directed that. And it was, I mean, she did a flawless she did a great job. Yeah. Oh my, I mean, this, the costumes, the performances, the set. I mean, there were so many people that made that happen. It's not even funny, but... Yeah, it was a great, it was a really good show. I See, will I never think, not talk think, about it when I get the think, chance. But I think that's the thing. It's like where you give something that like, you know, where, where you offer people the opportunity to have, you know, the summer blockbuster. And then, you know, you kind of get your street cred with that. People know that you're good. Okay, now let's try something different. Right. You know, and I don't, I, I, look, I'm not, I'm not a theater geek. I'm not into the, the theater scene here. And it's, and it's not because I choose not to, like, I just mm-hmm. don't have time i respect and appreciate everything there's so doing. much good theater happening there, there is there's, i mean you know the old brick um you know one of the one of the, my favorite things that i saw there uh was casey thomas directed it uh behanding in spokane spokane yes. spokane, spokane, awesome. yeah. spokane. I, so good so good um casey also directed doubt at actor circle which was phenomenal um uh gaslight theater company um oh was it brandy george i believe her name is directed it uh they just did god of carnage that, that was it that was at yeah Lackawanna, we had a story right? about that, was that. that was that yeah. was with uh tim mcdermott and kimmy left both who are mem- kimmy left uh kimmy left um both are members of the new vintage ensemble as well um that was amazing god of carnage is such a good show and isn't your typical choice for this area and that is that is a one-room setting but was fantastic was gorgeous was so well done ghost light theater the scranton shakespeare festivals doing romeo and juliet this summer they do great work uh i mean i am a member of the new vintage ensemble so i feel kind of crappy for tooting its horn but from Pride and Prejudice to the reindeer monologues to the more immersive interactive stuff we've done to the reading series. I'm very proud of the work that that group has done. Um, and there's, I mean, and then the list goes on and on and on and I can't begin to, you know, start it. Do I think everything's golden? No. Do I think everything deserves a shot? Absolutely. And I think the, I think it comes, I mean, it's so much of it comes down to marketing and audience development because from there, once you get that dialogue really strongly going, you'll, you'll know this didn't work. Even if a show selling out is not an indication that it was good, that's an indication that it was well marketed and that it was well promoted from within its own ensemble. I'm not trying to say that because I know you mentioned earlier, I'm not trying to say those shows who didn't sell out didn't deserve it and weren't good. But 
you know well they go hand they go hand in hand Fifty Shades of Grey is the number one movie in America right now I think so right so <laughs> <laughs> but you know what and I'm I'm I totally respect I have not seen it not have no attention to so I can't really be critical of it I have I do respect those who criticize it for what some of its tone and messages that it sends for especially for women I totally respect and agree with that do I think that it shouldn't have been made it's not my money I didn't invest in it. You know what I mean? Like when people like I, you know, when people were flipping out about Zach Braff um, funding his film through Kickstarter, which I don't, I didn't agree with fundamentally. I don't think that was necessarily what it's there for. People gave him no one held a gun to your head and said, don't give, you know, give Zach Braff a hundred dollars. You choose to do that with your money. That's totally fine. Yeah. But then on the other hand, when you had the Veronica Mars movie, nobody said a word. Until after they came out, then people were were pissed. Was it not good? I didn't see it. No, people just uh, were just pissed that they had raised the money through Kickstarter because anything yeah, but with a big but anything nobody, with a big name, people criticize you for. But doing nobody it. complained when it happened. No, because the because well, they because they hit their goal the in like fa- two days the, because the fans want it. And right. I, I feel like that's the thing is the fans should decide if if the so, fans want it. Then then you want to so give Veronica it. Mars your money. Great. You want to give Zach Braff your money. I think the difference was I understand what you're saying. Mark. I think the reason why from a PR standpoint, it didn't blow up until after the fact because Veronica Mars was an established brand. It was an, you know it wasn't right. Zach Braff doing his new brand new original movie. It was, yeah, he was doing Scrubs again. People exact if if you did a Kickstarter to get Scrubs back on the air, I guarantee you it would be done in a second because fans want mm. that. Right, right. I think that would work for Farscape. I liked Farscape. I liked Farscape love too. Farscape. Yeah. Uh, um. Love if they would, if they would get, if it's was, a sci-fi show, it probably would. There was talk yeah. of Let's like, get I mean, on that. There was talk of like Firefly being brought back. There yep. was talk of, at the end of the day, there's been local causes for using Kickstarter, and I've used Kickstarter and Indiegogo, and I'm not gonna pretend. At the end of the day, I've I I originally when I heard about Zach Braff, I got up in arms. I'm like, he's a well-known name. He also did get funding offered to him, which I think is a little different. Veronica Mars, they shopped that around forever. Right. To be brought back. He was told like, yeah, we'll fund it. Here you go. No, I don't want to compromise my art. You know what? I don't have to necessarily, I, I, people gave him, people willingly gave him money. I don't, that, that, that is ultimately what it is. Someone said, here, Zach Braff, take my hard earned money, make a movie. Well, people gave money to the shake weight too. So like, that's fine then. That's, that's what it is. So it's not like there's local causes that have done Kickstarters. There are for profit entities that have raised Lots of money via Kickstarter. I didn't give it a dime. I didn't promote it. I don't. I wouldn't have. You know what? They raised the money. More Good power to them. them. More power to them. More power to them. Good for them. What What are the audiences like at the the, the local theater shows that you, not only that you've put on, but that you've just uh, you've attended and you've seen? There's a reason why the expression "if you can play if you can play Scranton, you can play anywhere" exists. We are notoriously, and anyone doesn't know that's legitimate. That expression was originated from Scranton. Yeah. Um. Before, you know, but when Scranton was in its prime back in the 10s and 20s, um, even the early 30s, and on so, and even a little later than that, uh, shows instead of previewing in Boston or Chicago would preview in Scranton. We had such an eclectic mix of you know the rich upper you know level coal barons and so on and so forth we had the dirty coal miners who would also their families would go to shows now and then and the dirty working class people you know irish and polish and italian of scranton um and they were notoriously difficult audiences and scranton is a notoriously difficult town to to work with i think the theater community is very supportive but i think your you know public john q public audience member can be difficult i've been heckled on stage i've been but you know what have you not not directly heckled. I've just had people like, um, you or was know, it like in the audience going like, ugh. It's been more like <laughs> it's been more like I'll say something you know along the lines of you know I can be difficult. I'll say like it's more. 
it's it's more of like that. But you know what though? I've always much more appreciated because I've I've been um, I, I as an improv actor and I I teach improv. Um, that I think is always the number one thing. I'd rather have an, a responsive audience than nothing else. I'd much rather have someone going, oh, there's nothing better. At least I, they're paying attention. I've been in shows where like a moment comes, the Darling Core actually, there's a moment which I don't want to ruin, but there's a moment when Simone has this great line and she screams it out and it's, I know, you know what it is. And, and literally people in the, I've heard someone in the audience go, oh my God. Like it's in, sh- like, and I've heard oh, the gas and shocks that it elicits. And I'd much rather elicit, I'd much rather elicit a negative reaction than none at all. Than crickets. Oh, then just the, you know, when I, I know if something was really funny, like not even when I'm in it, when I'm seeing a show and someone did something really good and real and believable and I'm laughing and then in the rest of them, it's just a smatter of applause. It's just, <laughs> there's nothing more depressing than the smattering of applause. Right. Cause it's just like I'm doing this because I have to. What about golf claps? Those are fine. Those are fine because that just comes from a place of like reservation. Like you're, you don't want to be loud, but you still want to express yourself. You ever get snaps? That's poetry. That's poetry. Yeah, yeah poetry. You get mmms and in speech and debate. Did anyone else do forensic like speech and debate in high school? Or college no, even no, um, sp- in that. speech and debate when you like you know for dramatic interp or you know Lincoln Douglas debate or whom, whatever category you were in to save on time I guess where the tradition started but especially in Pennsylvania I've, in tournaments you know and second place from Scranton Connor O'Brien everyone just apl- claps once hmm. the only person who gets full on applause is the first place winner really hmm. yeah that's bizarre that's it's really w- efficient I like it it's really efficient because think about it how many times like you know and fifth place we got to go through four more people. <laughs> and you're just the fourth loser like it doesn't yeah. i'm kidding i'm kidding yeah. i'm kidding yeah no true, but though. um no and i think it was totally efficient i remember i didn't know that until my first tournament when i was in high school but it was fun so it's it's tough but it helps you uh it does it does it help make uh, better shows does it help make you a better actor uh do you do you does it ha- has it had an influence on you what's that what's it? in terms of uh, the audience reaction oh absolutely Absolutely. I mean, you learn from your audience, you learn from your peers, you, you know, trial and error is everything when you workshop stuff, which is why bringing it back. Um, I think the Scranton Fringe Festival is going to be such an amazing opportunity. It's going to be a great opportunity for local citizens to see new work, to experience, to give their feedback. You never know when, you know, something you sell out at the fringe is going to go on and become the next big hit on Broadway. I'm obviously speaking for personal uh, f- hopes and, and aspirations but sure. but if it wasn't for the Pittsburgh Fringe we wouldn't be doing this and even if the show goes no farther than where it's going to go in April I'm thrilled with what we've done with it and 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 um, there's so many great things I've seen at other Fringe festivals that are so amazing I think it's going to be great for artists locally to showcase some new work and some try out some new things to connect with other artists from out of the area who are going to come in those out of town artists are going to get exposed to a whole new demographic and I really would hope I just hope Scranton responds well, and I hope Scranton gives it a shot and says that this could be something that could help not just our arts and culture community and our self-esteem, shall we say, but fiscally, commerce-wise, it could, it, it, it potentially, especially for downtown over those couple of days, could do a lot. Which We, we are going to do our goddamnedest to get that out there. We are going to promote. <laughs> I want the trapeze. Let's yeah. get ready to fringe and trapeze. <laughs> <laughs> Lauren has spoken, so it, so it shall be said. I never thought about here as a venue for the trapeze artist. That actually could work. 
There you go. That oh, actually you gotta run it past me first. No, we're gonna talk Just about this. Talk about it in the air. Lauren, do you think the trapeze artist show would be really well here? I think it would be okay, but we might have to do something about the lights. Out there, you mean? Yes. That could be that we could figure that out. For most of our venues, we are going to have to bring in like special sound. Here we wouldn't, but like lighting and stuff like that. At least just basic. And some are basic rigs. People in those fringe festivals, like there's going to be people performing in empty storefronts to just like on off. Because they're probably right. going to have the whole the the thing. They need like I think they need at least like a 14 foot clearance. Like they need like 14 feet from floor to ceiling. We can do 14. Feet. 14. I have like 26. Yeah, you're not an issue. <laughs> um, <laughs> you have lots of feet. I'm just so interested to see how people are going to react to this. I think it's going to be really interesting. We'll see. And I mentioned the fringe button. If I can just give one more little plug. Um, mm-hmm. When I mentioned, because tickets are going to be $10 for all the individual shows. So $10 to this show, $10 to that show. If you buy a fringe button, which are going to be priced at 3 or $5, which you can buy at all Lackawanna County Garrity supermarkets starting Ooh. in August. They've been very grateful for that partnership and other different community partners, which we'll announce as we get closer. The button from August 1st through December 31st is also going to get you special discounts and deals at local coffee shops and retail stores. I mean, it might be minor. It might be saving you like 20 cents off a cup of coffee or something, but after a while, that adds up. Sure. So, um, a dollar after watch a week your of pennies coffees. and your dollars will follow so the point of it to show that i mean not only the proceeds from the sale of the button go directly back to the fringe to help us but they also um you know that that money then is going to encourage you to go hopefully go into local shops and it'll also be a nice way for us to track like if you can just even you know you know talking with local retail stores like if you can keep a general record of how many times someone used you know the button discount in a given month over the next couple months it'll just be able to wait for us to show that the arts can give back to the community financially fiscally which is something that's on the mind of everyone in scranton obviously right now do you have to display the button yeah just pin it you know i mean some people like to pin them on their purse so they just like you know just have to like swing it around show it mine now i can't put mine on my purse you can you can you can put it anywhere you want you can pin that button anywhere you want my purse my per- my man bag, my my my, my Michael my Michael Kors messenger bag. Your urban dude satchel. Is yours my, is yours Michael Kors? No, no, it was a gift. I don't know what it is. Oh. <laughs> Moving on to the last word, brother. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it up. Okay, because I did have an interaction, but you I, we, did. Don't, we, we don't need to talk about it. But oh, we do. Oh yeah, we All do, right. but not like extensively, because I think uh, our friend uh, and and uh, regular troll. Uh, Bill Danger Robinson is probably back again. Lauren. Yeah, he's back I again. Heard. And I think I think this time uh, I just have to, you know, and I, I hate to do this to anybody because I think everybody should be able to say what they want to say. I might just have to block his IP from the site because I'm just getting tired. What's going oh, on? OK, well, this guy, <laughs> this is going back uh, several episodes, like like months and months ago. It's an arc. OK, yeah, he was he was trolling on the site. Basically, he's just one of these yes, guys. Who, if um, um, you know, our 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 comment system, uh, discuss is the same comment yeah. system on all the local media websites. Lots of sites use that, yeah. So, um, so he 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 is he's up to over two thousand three hundred comments on Holy said shit. sites. He yes. has a lot of time. He has a how lot many, of time. How many numbers was that? Over two thousand. Two thousand three hundred and fifty some, I think. Wow. As of this sentence, right? Okay. Yeah, as of right now, I'm sure that probably went up another hundred in the last you know hour or so that we've been talking. But um, uh, a guy who uh, he's he's a good representative of what you 
you see on most of these sites where he just spews hatred at whatever it is. It doesn't matter. It could be like a, a wonderful story about like, you know, uh, someone fighting cancer or something like that. And he'd be like, Why? I don't, I don't, I don't want to go so far as no, to say I, hatred. Maybe, you know, maybe just it's, negativity. It, it's, yeah. it's very negative. Yeah. He yeah. just, he really just shits, he shits on the area. He shits on the people in the area. Everybody's ignorant. Everybody sucks. He's a jerk pigeon. Well, that's unfortunate for him. Jerked? <laughs> no, not jerked pigeon. He's a jerk pigeon. I didn't yeah. think you could jerk squab. Just one of these oh guys God. that like, you know, he'll just find some sort of fault and stuff. So okay. he come he comes around on the site, you know, every once in a while and decides that he's just gonna Yeah, exactly. So, so he, what's our He uh, found an article from two months ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was a it was a video uh, about the area, and it was basically trying to defend Scranton a little bit. So of course yeah. he had to jump on it and say, "No, Scranton's awful. It's full of evil, racist hate, and all this other kind of shit." Yeah, he said we're more racist than um, West Virginia. Right. Wow. Well, well he, here's his thing: is okay. his proof for this yes. was that he had read a book, and in the book, the book claimed that uh, basically the book is about how um, people's social media searches and their Google searches and things like that relate to their attitudes and their personalities. Like, what does that say about us? So, okay, that's fair. And he said, you know, in the book, it says that West Virginia searched for the N word quite a bit. So therefore, maybe we can conclude that they're probably pretty racist. Now, I don't you see the, the thing that the search lacks is con- logic. It's context is why are they searching for it? Who is searching for it? I'm not, you know, it, there's there's a lot of questions to be had there. So he's saying, what if well, there's a college course discussing, you know, race relations and what history? If you're looking, of that what if you're looking up NWA lyrics? Right, right, exactly. And it, we, we we gave a lot of scenarios as to right now. Obviously, you know, me questioning this, he he just immediately snapped back and just started crapping on me, you know, for for trying to defend the area a little right. bit. And he because he was saying that, well, I looked it up in, in Google because Google can if, if you if you go through uh, their statistics, they can show you like what people search for in certain areas. He mm-hmm. said, well, I can show you that more people search for the N word in Scranton and Wilkes-Barre than they do in West Virginia. Wow. Now, uh, and it was by maybe less than 10 people, I think, you know, that that mm-hmm. he was able to conclude this. Mm-hmm. So uh, so I said, I'm just, I'm sorry, but I think you need a little bit more proof than a Google search to, to make a general statement about the area and say, everyone here are are Nazis. They're just racist as hell. Wow. Uh, because of how often they search for one particular word. And a vile word. A vile word, but a word. But a word. And so, um, so then he just started going off about us and the podcast and this and that and the website and how we should be doing this and should be doing that. So uh, now, so we said, you know, why are you negatively trying to tell us to be proactive? Right. (laughs) Exactly. Okay. So, so we say, all right, well, why don't you come on the show? You, you call in. Uh-huh. And we'll actually have a real discussion with you. Like, yeah, we'll, we'll cool. talk to you. Because, yeah. you know, we, we always have guests um, that obviously are, are generally amicable. They're they're here to talk about something good about the area. Right. So let's have somebody on the show who... Not so just, happy. Yeah. We're not Fox News. We're not Bill O'Reilly. Yeah. And we're not, right. you know... We they he obviously knows you know how we feel about this and how we feel about the area. Otherwise, why would we be running the site? And uh, he... He refused to come on the show. Uh, Did he give a reason? <laughs> he said that it would be an ambush, in his words. Okay. Has he 
Okay, I mean, I would propose to this gentleman, does he listen to everything? No. No. That's, okay. He refused. By, by the way, I mean, does he listen to like the podcast? The only reason that he knew we were talking to him is because I linked to him, because uh, we, we cut out the last word on our YouTube and mm. and just put that as a separate thing. Just oh, to, okay. So this, this so, doesn't, this so doesn't he make he only watched the, the clip that talked about him. He doesn't watch the shows. Like he commented on one of our earlier podcasts and said that, well, we you missed an, a real opportunity to talk to this guest about this. And I said, well... If you listen to the show, we actually we got did. into that yeah. in depth, as yeah. a matter of fact. I think that's how this whole thing actually started. Right, exactly. Was he was he was picking apart something he hadn't even listened to. Like so he's just one of those guys. You Can know? I make one favor request? Sure. If he says anything nasty about me, don't tell me. Just delete it. I sure. Don't if he says, I'm not even kidding you, sir, if you have anything nasty screen, to say about I'm me. screenshot it and frame it. If he wants, no, no, no. If someone ever has something nasty to say to me, they want to directly contact me, that's fine. I don't want to find it in a comment section. Can I, can right. I, can I read what I wrote? Absolutely. Real quick. Sure. So this doesn't make it into the YouTube video? This will make it into the YouTube video. It does not make it into the podcast. It, it will does. make it into both. So yeah. everything. Everything. Okay. Well, yeah. everything we do. Then what yeah. does not what does not you said something doesn't make it into no, something. Uh, what the we, last word we do is its own separate segment. Uh-huh. Pull the, it out. Yeah. Pull it out. J- just just for fun. Oh, in addition to in addition, in addition to, to, yeah. Oh, okay, 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 yep. okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Mark. So Rich is having this back and forth with this guy and he asked him to be on and I saw him put the comment where he's like um I'm going to get ambushed. Right. Right. <clears throat> so uh <laughs> I I didn't I didn't happily sign up for discuss. <laughs> As you will know, I'm like, do I have to like log in and have like a username and a password? I and Rich is like, yeah. This. So so I wrote to him and I said, hey Bill, because <laughs> his 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 handle is Bill, okay. Well, Bill okay, Danger okay. Robinson. Even though it's yeah, obviously not his name. Okay, um, that's okay. I'm just trying to. Yeah, I said speaking from Protect the point ourselves. of view speaking from the point of view of being one of the co-hosts of the show and hopefully you've watched or listened to the last word segment of the show the last thing I would want to want or allow is an ambush. We are not have any intention of being or will ever or will ever be the gotcha people. We just politely ask if you would be interested. If not, that's okay and the great thing about phones is you can always hang up. No harm, no foul. Right, we're not asking him to reveal his face or his name. Right. I hope that you see there is no malice in my intent, especially, and welcome the opportunity with open arms to speak to you. I'm absolutely okay with my point of view being incorrect, which is why we extended the invitation. Hopefully you'll think it over, but if you decide not to, that's totally understandable. Maybe we can have a dialogue via this format instead. I wish you all the best, Mark. That's a very, very fair, well-adjusted, mature response. What what did he say back? I don't remember. (laughs) Oh, you, well, you just read it, so it's right. No, I, I read a screenshot. Oh, you read a screenshot. Oh, because I'm an egomaniac. Oh, then don't okay. start anytime this conversation I write if you're something. Not gonna... <laughs> oh my god! Anytime I write something, was it not positive? The reply? No, he he said, um, "Don't quote unless like par- if it, So this is a paraphrasing, right? What's uh, the gist of what he said? Yeah, I have to find. Okay, so Rich gave me. Okay, so here's we are the, so prepared. <clears throat> no, this is <laughs> this is free form, baby. Um, people listen. All right, to so this? the actual yeah. yeah. Um, Shocking, it, shockingly the, okay so where's will danger and it's not just like us like repeat 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 no what's funny no. actually is is and he he said this later on in the show or later on in the, the comments because of mm-hmm. course he just had he, he he's one of these people who's got to get the last word in like Correct. Uh, which i guess just makes the last word segment more ironic i just realized that you can google nepascene.com and bill danger robinson and get all these threads oh i'm sure you can Ooh. yeah so he's he says well you know obviously you know the youtube hit 
get uh, your YouTube videos don't have that many hits. So obviously nobody listens to you anyway. And I said, well, that's funny because uh, if you actually did two seconds of research, you'd find that our show comes out on Tuesday on iTunes, mm-hmm. SoundCloud and Stitcher. Yeah. So you're not taking into account all the people that listen to that. And then by the end of the week, we put out the video as kind of a supplement. Like okay. just for the hell of it. Do you have an approximation of how many listeners you get on an average video? Uh, we on on an average podcast. The uh, podcast, excuse yeah, me. Yeah, we we're 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 averaging now oh, about oh, okay about two hundred listeners. Uh, yeah, two about two hundred regular listeners. That's uh, nice. uh, per podcast, and if, it, I'm counting all the formats. Right, like holy shit, Rich. I know. Well, he just goes off and off and off. So I'm like, all right. I thought, I'm have I thought fun he with just had my one. No, reply. no. So I wrote that thing and he goes, thanks, but I'm not interested in performance or amateur stand up. But what is that? Like, and then, and then, <laughs> as if, as if this is, you're not, this isn't genuine, is what he's right. saying. And yeah. then Rich spends, okay. and then Rich spends the next, up until <laughs> a couple hours ago, destroying. <laughs> oh my goodness. Holy well, you see, shit, Rich. Here's the here's the thing that I I've and and I'm uh, this is why I'm gonna just have to just ban them from the site because obviously you, you, I've seen people banned for less on other sites just because that's all they're they're doing they're there to try to it's destroy the conversation. Certainly not like he hasn't had his chance. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you know, uh, I find it fun to kind of turn the tables on these guys and and just kind of you know do the same thing to them that they're right. doing to you because they don't get that. Usually they're bullies and they like to and bully I other people. Totally support that. But I'm sure I you've also fun. reached the conclusion that that's not worth your time. Oh yeah, it's it's. Oh, I, yeah, I w- fully endorse what you're doing. Right, because you know, like uh, from a I, human standpoint. Yeah, like 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 last night, you know, I I, I sent a reply, and then I'm like, you know, what? I'm spending too much time doing this. I got to get back to work. You know, I negativity actually have to, breeds you know, put, more negativity. Yeah, because uh, and and that's exa- that's exactly it. Is uh, you know, we can go back and forth all day. He's not going to change my mind. I'm not going to change his mind. Right. But the thing is, is is um, his conclusion. I I guess if you want to pull out of this that whole thread was that we should we should not be wasting our time talking about arts and entertainment they are useless to the area essentially <sighs> what we should be talking about is we should be doing investigative journalism and with this investigative journalism we should pull out all the corruption and all the evil from the area that's, and just oust it that's totally a and that, valid idea and I and I get that but why here, doesn't he but that's exactly what I said is he even at one point he actually says, can I, well, can bring I, can me I on it? as a contributor. So he's, okay. Bring me on as a he, contributor. Okay, so pay wait. me to do this and I will give you content that will get eyeballs. So, so he's going to do that. But here's the thing. And I said, so, but any PA scene. Rich, you're really angry about this. Well, but here's the thing. His NEPA scene was built mm-hmm. from nothing with no budget whatsoever. Right. So if I can do it, he you can do. can do it too. And it wasn't like he said, well, I want to do it. Help me get to that point. Right. It's right. No, that's that's yeah. negativity, well, breeding negativity. The, the reason that it bothers me and the, the only reason that I've even given him the time of day mm-hmm. is because I feel like he's representative of that cynical, nasty Northeast PA attitude that, you know, it, where, where uh, everything sucks, everybody sucks, but I have no evidence or reasoning for it. I have no real statistics I, to back read, these Can I read up. one thing that he says that I just finally came across? Sure. sure. You told me when he replied, I would get like an email notification. I never got it. Do others engage in this conversation besides? Sometimes. No. Sometimes. Yeah. No. So no. There's like there's nobody. There's no one. No. Not 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 the Bill Danger Robinson. No. Not. Oh him. no. Oh, no okay, I, I mean, so this is nobody bothers to talk. Is, I meant with guy. him. I didn't mean overall. Yeah. This is this is out of it's it's out of context considering there's like you know eight sentences before. I understand. Um, 
So he says, yet the big takeaway here, the elephant in the room that, re- that you refuse to address is the racism. I addressed, it, three, mention, I addressed it at least three right, times, by the way. Not to mention corruption, okay. etc. that exists in NEPA. We don't need more disgruntled weekender types giving thumbs up to every mediocre open mic dilettante. What we need are people. He had to look the, that one up. I know he did. It, well, I'm not going to lie. I'm impressed, though. That's a good word. What What we need are people in the trenches who will do the real work of journalism and put in the effort to cover real issues that matter and affect people's lives. The ball is in your court. Run with it. If you want content that draws eyeballs and want to pay me, let me know. Otherwise, good luck. The- P.S. Okay, we're not done. Point us in the direction He's of the thoughtful done. investigative reporting you promise in your manifesto and try to do so without talking about me. Tell us what you've done. Make believe that I don't exist and point us in the direction of anything you have originated that might actually get non-white people on the payroll in Scranton or Wilkes-Barre or Luzerne and Lackawanna counties. Send one of your black friends out in Scranton and document the response they get when they try to rent an apartment. Do that and get back to me. Brevity is the soul of wit, etc., etc. He was not. He wasn't. There was no brevity. You, you can't end. Brevity is the soul of wit with any etcetras. <laughs> or after saying that was even a, that was that was a part of what he said. Yeah. All right. I was okay. My only, my I only, was going my, to defend him until that happened. That was exact. I was going to say I was going to give him stance that I do agree there is race. There is a very large amount of racism in this area. There's Everywhere. Lot, there's, I was. There's a lot of racism in the country. I don't. Okay, that's all perfectly fine. It's like go talk to Rachel Ray and be mad that she does a cooking show. That's what right. the woman has she's chosen. She's too to, perky. She's yes. too perky. What does cooking have to do? Well, first of all, to this gentleman, and I'll say this flat out, I am you are welcome to discuss with me as an adult, and I respect that your opinion is different than mine, and that's fine. To say that arts and entertainment and culture, and this is coming from the king of dilettantes, does <laughs> that does not have an effect on the community, you're wrong. You are incorrect, false, that is not true. I agree that investigative journalism is just as, if not maybe, in in cases more important, then then go by right ahead, do that. Be the change you want to see. Yes. And don't say say bad things about me. Well, the the thing is, (laughs) investigative journalism takes time, money, and resources. And those are all very precious And this gentleman has expressed he wants to get paid. I do too. It took a year and a half to bring down Nixon. (laughs) <laughs> you know what well, I mean? Here's oh, Woodward and Bernstein weren't, you know, yeah. they didn't do it in a weekend. <laughs> well, you know, that's the thing is you have to build up something that people trust, that people care about, that people actually read. And then, you know, you can start to introduce these kinds of ideas. You can't just put it out there because uh, I've seen a lot of uh, the local political blogs, if you want to call them that. Uh, and there's some of them are great. There's some really interesting ones. There's a lot of them that are conspiracy theorist bullshit where maybe a quarter of what's said is actually true. And the rest of it is people going off on these crazy rants and tangents or uh, specifically picking fights with people they politically don't like as opposed to actually, you know, having a reporting. It's an op-ed. It's exactly. And that's the thing is a guy like him, he's going to make those kinds of rookie mistakes Whereas, you know, I, I said, I, we're not having a dick measuring contest here, even though we've we've proven that you obviously have no balls because you refuse to come on the show and talk to us. But that has nothing That's to do not with fair. your dick. Here's a th- <laughs> it, well, I, I would disagree. I think it does. Uh, One does not need to have balls to be courageous. <laughs> the, th- the thing is. Look at Elsa. Uh, the thing is, is, is um, I, know, I'm frozen. I feel like. Oh. 
his his main his main thing here is is uh, is racism. He hates racists and he hates racist people. Uh, clearly, I mean, he, it's it's obviously something that means yeah, but aren't a ra- lot. But aren't to racist him. jerks? Well, here's 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 what I have to say about that. And this, they don't and, always come oh, across. He, as he did not he did not respond to this. Like he didn't respond to anything else that I had said. Uh, is that I feel like. Any hate of any kind, whether it's against your race, your gender, uh, your sexuality, or just who you are as a person, who you've chosen to be, where you ended up in life, whatever, is fucking wrong to begin with. Right. So aren't you just as bad as the people you supposedly think are ruining this area? You think right. racism is has, has eaten at this this area like a cancer. I kind of think all hate does that. I think that's what hate does. So you spreading hate on the internet, hating everyone and everything and the way that they do things and you telling them how to live and whatever, isn't that the exact same thing as a, as a, a hate-filled racist telling other people how to live, what to do with their lives? Well, it's the same book, different cover. Right, exactly. Exactly. So I, I feel like people like that are, aren't. You're not contributing to anything. You're not helping anything. So don't tell other people to to go and 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 do that for you. I, I think just we think it's arrogant. I think we can all agree that everyone has the right to their opinion. Yeah. And yes. Everyone has the right to voice. I mean, this gentleman has the right to voice anything he wants. He. Well, I mean, you know, he has the right to voice anything he wants. Say whatever he wants. As long as he doesn't have a call to action. It's exactly, he, and he can express any opinion and feeling that he has without denying that same right mm-hmm. to others. And it kind of sounds like, and I haven't read everything, and I haven't read every side of his story, so I can't say with a hundred percent certainty, but with ninety nine percent certainty, it seems that he does not want others to have a voice. I'm going to throw this out there. Mm-hmm. I think we should put Bill Danger Robinson to bed. Absolutely. Agreed. I don't think 100%. that was totally going to suggest that. I don't think we need to, to ban to him. To quote Otho, you read my mind. <laughs> I think, I think. Nobody got oh, that. He really just enjoys us responding oh, this, to him. This is we are totally just feeding, feeding. his yeah, ego. For, for the so, record, keep going, Lauren. I'm sorry. Like a bad dog who is behaving poorly, we must turn it in our backs to him and ignore that he exists until he corrects his behavior. Okay. Thank God you said that. Um, cause I was going to say like, you know, until you learn how to have polite discourse and, and have an open mind and, and be willing to discuss differing opinions in a way where it's not, you know, you know, you broke my Barbie, so I'm going to burn all your GI Joes to the fucking ground. Like until he's willing to be fair and have a discussion, that's fine. I think we've exhausted enough breath on him. Oh yeah. That being said, we don't hate. Bill Danger Robinson. We dislike what he thinks and what he does. I, you know, there's there's this great saying where, you know, it's like you love your family, but you don't always have to like them. Right. Bill, you know, I meant what I said when I wrote what I wrote. You know, we are having a little bit of fun at, at your expense, but, you know, sorry. I'm not you, Bill. Uh, sorry. You, you, you kind of put yourself out there for it. You right. know, just like we do, like we're putting ourselves out there for criticism too, yep. and you're welcome to have it. And we're willing to have a debate with you, and you're willing. We're willing to have a, an intelligent conversation, and we're also everyone in this room, minus Connor because he's not here every week, and minus Jimmy because he's working his ass off. We're all willing to say when we're wrong. Sure, you know, we don't have an ego about this. These are our opinions. These are the things that we think. If we're wrong, we're fucking wrong. Like right. own it. 
But you know, that's the thing is, is at the end of the day, we weren't wrong about anything. All we, all we did was we made an arts and entertainment website, and then he said, "Well, it shouldn't well, be no, an arts it, and entertainment it, website. You it, should do this instead." Well, that's Bill, go not fucking wrong. do it. Right. Like, what's do stopping it. you? I do would it. like to second the fact, the fact that the, the, the fact that you're on, you know, eight thousand other discuss pages, like. Fuck off. Go do your own thing, man. <laughs> well, Seriously. I want to I want to end it on a on a on a positive note yeah. because on a positive note I had a good BM today. I feel really great about it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you just play you do understand by doing things like that you just played right into his hand. I'm just trying I'm trying to motivate him through tough love. Okay. Right. That's all I'm trying to do. You do whatever you got to do. I tried to be real polite to him. I'd still be you real do polite Mark, to him. You do Mark, he does Bill. If he called me up, I'd be like, "Hey sir, what's going on? How are you? Can we talk? Let's have a discussion." What if it's like one of you? <laughs> if I find out it's Jimmy, I'm going to go through the roof. <laughs> it's probably no, fucking Jer. That like, be, that's who's that doing. That would it. be kind of poetic. Yeah, it would. <laughs> and Jimmy's like sitting back, riding home in his car, listening to the podcast, himself. going like, "Son of a bitch, they're talking about me again." I don't have time. <laughs> I would, I would love to have that much time. Yeah, me too. Me too. Man. So, what positive note are we going to end it on, Rich? All right. Well, uh, it, it, it's uh, it, it's how to how to do positive dialogue correctly, uh, and and uh, and it happens all the time. This he's literally the only guy. Uh, which is why we've dedicated too much time to him. We're just trying uh, to change you into a better person, Bill. Yeah, which is never going to happen. Bill, so there's some sunshine somewhere. Uh, all uh, all of our commenters are usually really great, and they have positive feedback and interesting things to say. And um, one of the things is uh, the Kirby Center recently announced that um, J- Daniel Tosh, who hosts uh, Tosh Point on Comedy Central, will be uh, doing stand up uh, at the In Kirby May, Center. Right. Yeah, I believe so. And uh, he is uh, obviously a controversial comic. You know, he makes a lot of, uh, you know, controversial jokes and things. It's kind of his shtick. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, people love him or hate him. And uh, so uh, Jamie uh, commented on our, uh, I'm just using first names, uh, commented mm-hmm. on our, our Facebook page and said, um, uh, because now he just sold out. He's he's selling out the first date, and then they're opening up a second time. Good for because him. Because obviously, a lot of people in the area must like his stuff. Yeah. And, and that's common with a lot of the comedians around here. Uh, uh, Jerry Seinfeld uh, had two shows in a row. Yeah. Uh, because he sold really well because here. Because this area is looking to laugh. Right. So, so, so. Jamie says, uh, no offense, but figures any PA would sell out uh, a comedian who uses bigotry and rape as a crutch, but leave the mm. Kirby Center half empty empty for a comedy workhorse like Gaffigan. And he's referring to Jim Gaffigan, who's Mm -hmm. absolutely hysterical. And I totally agree. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so I said, no offense taken on our part, Jamie. I said, we welcome readers' opinions, and Tosh certainly inspires that love him or hate him reaction. Our staff uh, certainly has mixed feelings, uh, though we could all agree that Gaffigan is absolutely hilarious. Was the turnout really that underwhelming the last time that he was in the area? And he said, uh, yeah, I feel like it was reflected in his performance. Uh, I like Tosh.0. Uh, there's a love him or hate him internal debate even among his fans. And you see, that's how you have an actual dialogue. Is yeah. He, you know, uh, it said, said right off the bat, yeah, I'm not a big fan of this guy. I think that his comedy isn't that good. He didn't say he's a nasty bigot and he should go die. He said, you know, I think he relies too much on the bigotry and the rape jokes. And, you know, uh, I know very little about 
Daniel Tosh, other than Tosh.0. That's my only right. experience of him. So I, I had no idea that mm. that was a part of he's his- a He's a boundary pusher. He, okay. I, I believe it was sometime last year he had made a joke that didn't go over well. I think it was a Twitter joke. Or yeah, something. I, it was, I believe it was a rape joke. And he had um, he had some backlash. So, of course, like most people, they apologize. I don't know how much of an earnest apology it was or if it was, uh, I might lose my big time Comedy Central job if I don't. You, you, you right. do Celebrity, you do your celebrity penance. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, he's, he says, I'm sorry, everybody moves on and everybody forgets that it happened, which is probably why you hadn't heard about it. My because point is, it, yeah, the, sure. the conversation going like that makes me want to investigate it further. Whereas right. had it been a, a all caps yelling thing, I yes. would have dismissed it immediately. Exactly. Right. No, because no. now I'm just I wouldn't care. Well, but now I actually kind of want to look. I want to learn. I don't myself. know much about him. I so. would like to know. Yeah. Right. So, you know, we yeah, have true what was or is joke? that being a little is that a little unfair? No, he says he says stuff like that, but he Does says he? it. Yeah, but he said, you know, Cor- Carlin did a whole bit on you know, this is not condoning any of this, but like comedians go to, dark, go to dark places yes. a lot of the times to try yep. to incite, you know, an, an emotion or, or right. saying something that's totally outrageous. But and with that being keeping that in mind, obviously, but what I think would um, were you the one who responded to that? Yes. Was that your response like directly reading? Yep. What I thought was so great about that one, it was you acknowledged their right to their view. Two, thanked them for giving any kind of feedback, positive or negative, and then you posed a question. Because so many times you see when people do things like that, they don't care for something. It's just, sorry you feel that way, and you can totally tell. And I've used that technique, too, when you really don't want to engage anymore. Right. You could tell, like, you wanted. <laughs> that would have left an open-ended question. And I do feel when someone poses a criticism, it is totally right. You have the right to say, I don't like him because of these mater- mismaterial he used or this incident that happened. But okay, You've now you're the one who's um you've gotten on you've you've gotten to the to the you you put the soapbox up there now defenders and, and now and, you're you've made other people interested right, right, exactly. right exactly and I think that's phenomenal the way that was handled well, so the other thing is is like great engage mm-hmm. you know what I mean just don't like let it be a fly by night thing which is w- what you didn't do nothing can get worse by having a conversation and that's the thing is is I just wanted to stress that <laughs> most things, prophetic that if most you do things. if you do disagree with us if you do leave a, a comment just. You know, realize that, you know, we're people, we're human, you know, we make mistakes or or we say things that you might may or may not agree with or whatever. But, you know, we, we'll talk to you, you know, like it, it's not going to turn into a back and forth angry war uh, unless that's what you and that's what you're demanding, which is what a guy like Bill demands. We're, right. we're really, you know, I, I want to have those types of conversations where we're much more friendly and fun. Like there was a guy who uh, commented, uh, his name is Warren, and he said, um, uh, on we we did a, a an Oscar roundup story mm-hmm. and he just goes I I couldn't care less just in all caps cool I couldn't care less so all I said was and you wonder why the Academy snubbed you this year <laughs> and he goes cute that was his response because you know it wasn't like See, I would have went touche right. yeah good, good yeah job. all basically, right basically the same kind good of job, yeah sir exactly you know like so I'm not going to disagree with you because like we said before do they matter yeah and no you know like okay I I, yeah, get, I totally get really, that there's reaction. never yeah but there's never any malice behind it you know no, like there I, isn't. I I post you know look unfortunately we live in a world where where you know to remain to have any sort of relevance you have to kind of engage in social media and I, and I, and I never, you know, unless it's like a really critical issue, you know, like, you know, gay rights, you know, racism, stuff like that. 
you know, I, I, I will take a stand on that where I'm like, you know, these are obviously wrong. You know, like if, if the Supreme, like, you know, when the Supreme court shot down, you know, the, there was, there was two court cases for the, for the, for the gay rights movement. And I was like, hell yeah, post that. I was the equal sign as my profile picture, all that. Nobody really gave me any shit. You know, I love how you look to me, by the way. I just want to point that out. <laughs> love you look to me like, right? Like, yeah, because I got I got to. Sorry, part, Connor. I was I'm working part, the room and I just happened to be at you I'm, at that I'm, moment. You know, I get I get text messages every time there's an update. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, but but I'll also post stuff that like. Krispy you know, Kreme just put up a rainbow poster. people off. Right. And, you know, and, and and usually it's like I would be thoughts before, I would be okay because you have to, ha- you know, and brands struggle with this every day, whether they're huge multimillion dollar corporations or something really small mm-hmm. is you want to have a personality. You want to actually show that, you, you know, we're human over here, it's but, but at the same time, you also want to try to, you know, please everyone and not. Yeah, yeah you, you, you can't, and, but you can't. It's, not, it's, not, it's not about pleasing everyone. And, you and, you, to, and you can't. I'm, not, I'm not wording that right. And that's not about pleasing Respect. everyone per se. But yeah, you, you just you just want uh you, you, you want to show that you, you're your person, but at the same time, by doing that, you're also going to have people who disagree with who you are as a person, and so you're going, which, which is okay. Yeah, yeah, which, which, which it is. But I think some people have these crazy overreactions. Agreed. You know? Yeah. But I think the way you handled that particular the Tosh Point issue was very well handled. And Jamie, uh, yeah. whoever he or she may Ooh. be. Um, I think with that was a fantastic. They they had that's a valid point. I have no stance on it because I don't know enough about it to make an educated comment. Um, but I think whether we're talking about the fringe or investigative journalism in this region or any of the other slew of topics we talked about tonight, anyone can have their opinion. Try to be respectful about it, and at the end of the day, just be nice to everybody. I yeah, the, the the takeaway from this is don't be an asshole. Don't be a jerk. Yeah. And then no with all and with everyone in this room and and you know including Jimmy and Jer who aren't here, I, I love all you guys. So I want to say thank Aww. you for. And can we all give a special mention to the fact that one of us sitting in this room was recently married. Rich was recently married to his lovely, lovely wife. Now, yeah, my goodness, how does it feel, Rich? Uh, well, uh, we've been living together. It feels the- like the day before. <laughs> <laughs> With a much smaller bank account. Yes. <laughs> By half. But a, a couple of really cool tax breaks. That's about it. Uh, no, it, it's, uh, we, we've been living together the past couple of years. Right. So uh, the transition was pretty easy. It was really like the stress was building up to the wedding, getting everything done for the actual event, uh, really which we kept really, really party. small. Yeah. yeah, it is. It's, it's, it is the most complicated party. You know, like people, uh, you know, cancel at the last minute and all kind. You, you, you never know, you know, what's going to come up. Uh, but in the end, you know, everything turned out really great. We had a great day. Everybody mm-hmm. was happy. You know, you had like, fun. We had fun. You love oh, each other. Yeah, absolutely. There so, we go. That's it. You know. So yeah, it was. It, uh, 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 thank you for bringing that up. Of course. I maybe I can speak for everybody, but I I just want to say congratulations, and I'm really happy for you because you know. Most people that I know that marry, well, I shouldn't really say that, but there's a lot of people that I know that married women who are just deplorable people. Mm. And your wife is absolutely phenomenal. I'm sure She's some awesome. of those men weren't peaches themselves. Oh, probably not. <laughs> well, no, say. wait, wait, wait. Let me take that back. Assuredly not. <laughs> she, she, she is extremely supportive, especially uh, during this crazy 
time of transition with any pa scene you know yeah you can't you can't like that's that's, because a a, a lot yeah a lot of significant others would have said you're nuts for trying to start something like this uh there's no way you're gonna get off the ground you know go get a real job and you know like be be miserable so we can pay bills you know what it's awesome it's awesome to to share in your dreams with somebody man yeah yeah and 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 really really you know like uh she's really like the unsung hero behind this whole thing well every good man is a very even better woman. That's absolutely. And the truth. speaking from Mark, we and sometimes a sometimes a man, a, a better man. That's right. <laughs> um, I'm, I think we can all say that you know we uh, to take that you know we we are so, we're so happy for the opportunity to share our little you know nonsensical thoughts and opinions on the world. So I just want to thank you all so much for having me, and I really encourage everyone if you're interested in the fringe, contact us and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, we're gonna bring this on home because we've been talking for a really long time. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but but please uh, support the Scranton Fringe Festival. It's not till October, but you have plenty of time to learn more submit, about it. Submit. And submit. if you're an artist, please submit to this really cool event and and try to you know be a part of it and make this thing uh, huge oh. because it deserves to be. Thank you. ScrantonFringe.org/slash/apply. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Tumblr. NEPAScene.com. <laughs> Thank everybody. everybody for listening. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye.